Hello, and welcome to our podcast, The Last Action Heroes, a celebration of everything that's big and loud in 1980s action cinema. We've got it all. Oiled up muscle men, huge guns with laser sights, big perm women with attitude, unhinged bad guys, massive explosions, and off-the-scale kill counts. My name is Jesper, a.k.a. Sleazy Cop, and with me on this podcast are my co-hosts, retired Army Colonel Black Ops Bjorn, a four-barrel rocket launcher nicknamed Leon, and Dan the Pirate, also known as El Comandante. In every episode, we will be diving headfirst into an 80s action movie and punching and shooting our way through every scene to find out what makes this particular movie such a classic, or indeed such a disaster. From the all-time classics that still hold true today, to the diabolical moron movies that may be best left unseen, we'll be taking them all on, one by one. Today, we'll be locking and loading for 1985's Commando, directed by Mark Lester and starring Arnold Schwarzenegger as a retired Special Forces colonel out to save his daughter who's been kidnapped by a former subordinate in an effort to get Arnold to assassinate the president of a South American country. Bucket loads of bullets, snappy one-liners, and even saw blades will fly, shit will get blown up, and muscles will be flexed. Not by us, though, because no one kidnaps Arnold's daughter and gets away with it. Now, to quote the tagline of the movie, let's party. We're basically professionals yeah. now. Well, apart from Pirate Dan. Pirate Dan. We apart need to Pirate introduce Dan. Pirate Dan. Pirate Dan, say something pirate. Arr, How do you introduce somebody so, so notorious? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for inviting me to your uh, lovely podcast. <coughs> Sorry. Uh, getting my card away there. Uh, thanks for having that's me. Your, that's your gen- yeah. general voice. That's my that's general true. voice. You're pretending you're putting it on. That's what you sound like. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's true. I can't escape my roots. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, this this podcast today you're going to hear all four people. We are the last action heroes. So today, there's me. I'm Leon. We've got Bjorn. Hey, who's drinking? Drinking coffee. We've got Jesper. Hello. And we got Pirate Dan. Hi. Not very piratey. So let's, let's start. start. Yeah, Commando. Commando. We've watched it. How do we all feel about that? Uh, yeah. Yeah, man, I watched it last night, and um, I mean, like like I mentioned to you guys previously, like you know, I, I think I'd seen this film as a kid, um, but I couldn't remember anything about it apart from like two scenes, which were in there, and I remembered them quite differently. Um, but yeah, man, I, I loved the hell out of this. It was it was just balls of the wall fun. It was really good fun. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So I'd I'd never seen this. Um, I said to some of my friends that I was watching it. And they kind of patronised me a little bit for having never seen it. But um, I've now watched it three times and I fucking love it. <laughs> it is uh, like, yeah, I mean, we, we mentioned this last time on the podcast that we may have peaked too soon by picking this so early. But <laughs> this film is on another level, man. Yeah, it's probably the quintessential Arnold 80s action film. See, I always thought yeah. that was Predator, but after last night, after watching this, like, yeah, I, yeah. 
I think this might very well top that. And, and I wasn't sure anything could. So yeah, that's it's quite the statement. So what I what I didn't realise about it, I was doing a little bit of research afterwards, and um, I discovered that I, for some reason I felt like when I was watching it, I felt like this was probably a a late eighties, early sorry, late in his career film. And it turns out it was only his third mm. film after I've got this written down. Conan and then Terminator and then Commando. Wow. Like, what a third film? Where'd you go from there? And, and I saw that like he was like thirty eight when he made this film as well. So he obviously started sort of you know a bit a bit later. And the the, the dude is ripped. Like, you know, he's yeah. massive, you know. I mean, he totally spent all his time in the gym. Yeah, I shouldn't have eaten so many pasties, then maybe I'd kind of be... <laughs> maybe sort of, maybe, know, maybe some uh, chemical help as well. I don't know, maybe a little bit. <laughs> but, uh, <Life>. yeah, <laughs> steroids. <laughs> oh. No, but he's for sure, he's, he's uh, very muscly in this movie. Um, and you get to see all of his muscly gloriness in a scene towards the end, which we'll get to. One thing I kind of uh, so I, I watched this with my my wife as well. She actually joined me uh, on the watch, uh, and she she quite enjoyed it too. But one thing she noted, uh, sort of you know, the first kind of fifteen minutes or so into the movie was just how oily he looks. He's just really <laughs> shiny, like for quite a lot of the film. It's amazing. Yeah. So I, I actually took a note of this as well. From the moment we'll we'll get to it, but from the moment he gets off the plane he remains oily for the <laughs> remainder of the film. It's so good. And what I liked most about that is everybody around him is fine and he's just this sweating mess in the middle at all times. <laughs> yeah. But have you noticed his hair stays completely rock solid? There's not yeah. a hair out of place. Yeah. I mean, he is action man. <laughs> he is, act yeah. he is like, the complete that, action man. That little frizzy hair, massive body. Did you know that they actually made uh, action figures from this movie? There are some. No uh, like a G.I. Uh, Joe, but commando style. Yeah. Did, did you did you see the the other bit of like information around that? Oh man, this is spoilers for the film. We should probably have done this after, but I'm gonna say it now anyway. Um, in during the film, actually no, it's in the first ten minutes. So we'll get into the film now. His entire commando squad is murdered immediately, right? These action figures are called the C Team because they couldn't make figures of his normal team because they'd all been murdered in the film. <laughs> <laughs> Something about that. that yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, they're all dead, so we'll just make up a team for him and sell um, toys off yeah, that. It's, I mean, it's pretty much just him in this movie. Like, he's the action hero. Yeah, well, you know, he yeah. is, yeah. Should, should we Let's get into the film? Let's go. So, look, first things first. We get into the film, and we're in a quiet suburb, and what what happens? There's a, a I'm gonna say dust cart, trash lorry. What do you call it in everyone's country? Dust yeah. cart. <laughs> Scalavon. <laughs> yeah, what's it called? Like soup, it, soup a, beer in Swedish. Yeah, trash car, trash car <laughs> in Swedish. Um, okay, yeah. trash truck. Yeah. Ba basically, it's a truck that collects trash. <laughs> yeah. or, so the garbage. We're all got just the same understanding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Trash trash car <laughs> trivia. We'll do Commando next time. So what do you call Trash Cart in uh, Pirate Land, Dan? <laughs> they just chuck their shit anywhere, man. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have a big man. It's, a, it's the pirate way. Okay, so there's a rubbish lorry truck. And it's driving through the suburb. And this geezer is woken up because the rubbish collection hears. Uh, he hears the rubbish collection. He's like, oh, it's the wrong day. So he runs out and he takes his rubbish out. And the two bin men basically immediately turn on the guy with Uzis and slaughter mm. him. 
and I'm just putting it out there that if I ever write an action film, it is a hundred percent starting with bin men oozing a man to the floor. That is the best intro <laughs> ever. Can we also just dwell a little bit on the absolute ice coldness of one of these bad guy trash guy killers? Um, it's sort of the lead bad guy uh, man. Um, uh, bad guy <laughs> what, man. what do we call them in your country? <laughs> what do bad we guy call men. Them, actually. <laughs> um, so basically, this guy comes out in his um, you know morning robe or whatever you call it, his pajamas, and he, I notice he's got these cute little slippers on uh, <laughs> as well. And he comes out with both his bins. He's running down the street or his or is it his driveway? And he goes, "Oh my God, I uh, I thought." Uh, I thought you missed me or something like that. And then this guy, he turns around, he, you know, he's packing the zoos. He just looks at him with these cold eyes and said, don't worry, you won't. And then he just, you know, just blasts the guy. I mean, how cold is that? And, you know, this guy dies with trash cans in yeah. his hands. You know, how absolute sad way to go. And just to add to that, that as well, like the, the moment this, this guy looks at him and you notice it, it's, it's Bill Duke, who, of course, you know, uh, was with Arnie in, in Predator. All hail the yeah, Duke. and you just know like shit's gonna go down as soon as you see it's him. It's like okay, something's mm. you know yeah, this is gonna go down. And uh, it was quite funny actually. So one, one thing to point out is um you know within the, the first few minutes of the film you know, behold Duke racks up a couple of kills within the first two minutes, and I certainly thought I'm gonna do a body count on this thing. So I started you know got my notepad and started kind of you know trying to jot down every time something, and I just had to give up, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a certain point we'll get to, and it's like, okay, that's it. You, you cannot tally quick enough. <laughs> no, I literally just <laughs> lost so much. That's it. Yeah. Um, I felt like that that binmen thing. Like I know we're all gamers as well. Did GTA do that exact thing? Yeah. Was there a, a level or a mission? And I think there was. I, I think like there I'd was. Yeah. It. Yeah. It rings a yeah. bell. Yeah. And I, I mean, again, GTA being being GTA, I would not be surprised that there is a commando reference or references in there uh, at all. And uh, uh, yeah, I think that's one for us to check out um, for for next time to confirm on whether or not there is a you know commando reference to this scene in GTA. Mm. We can put it in the footnotes um, of the episode. Yeah, yeah. I should probably play GTA. <laughs> that's a good excuse. You need <laughs> yeah, to play. Yeah. They were inspired by that GTA level. <laughs> <laughs> um, so from there. We, we jump through a few scenes, and it's, it's basically a murder fest. And at the time, we don't know what's happened. But we go from bin men being shot down to a car yeah. dealer being run over. By and Bill Duke. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And also, like, that was a little bit of a weird one, because you, you discover that they, um, they intentionally killed that guy. They're, you know, they're trying to kill these people. But he dived in front of the yeah. car. Like, Bill Duke would not have hit yeah. him had the guy I not thought, dived in the car. He just would have smashed I the I thought window. that was strange as well. Like, they, they're trying to kill these guys, but the only reason they killed the guy in the car dealership was because he was a fucking idiot. Yeah, like, was this the collateral yeah, totally. damage? Yeah. Like, he, was Bill Duke just trying to buy or lift a car and this guy just killed himself? I did this one-liner, one like, you know what I like most about this car? The price. The price. And then he's just... It. <laughs> it made no sense. It wasn't until my second or third watch that I actually realised what they were doing at the start. I thought he'd stolen the car. And I got to the end, I was like, what did that have mm. to do with anything? And then it's like, oh, they're the commandos they're yeah. killing. And um, <clears throat> just on that note, can I just say that these guys, um, you know, Bin Man and uh, car dealership, they are the worst commando unit ever. <laughs> like, they've really let themselves go. Like, you know, if you have, you know, 
if you were a commando worth your salt, you know, you would wake up, you would hear the bin and go, oh, they're on the wrong day. A proper mm. commando would have gone, there's something yeah. wrong here. I better go and unpack my Uzi, you know, and go out and, <laughs> and you know, go out and Especially check it. Especially an 80s commando. Especially an 80s commando. <laughs> and also, you know, they're all, they're all a little bit sort of, you know, half bald and, you know. <laughs> um, they're not like, can you they're imagine? not like ornate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. They've really let themselves go. You know, they've got a bit of, you know, put on a little bit of extra weight. They've gone a little bit too comfortable there in suburbia and everything. I mean, can you imagine these guys running around in the jungles and the deserts on secret missions and, you know, being led by Arnold? Um, it's like, you know, it just doesn't match up <laughs> at all. Like, worst commando unit ever. They've let yeah. themselves go big time. Uh, Arnie and three slightly past it dads. <laughs> yes, I mean, exactly. to, to, like to be fair, control. if you wanted to kind of go off the radar if you were a commando you would probably let yourself go uh to you know keep yeah, it on well, it wouldn't work in a card deal, <laughs> maybe not exactly. <laughs> yeah so then we get to our third commando Ooh. killing and this is all in the space of about what five six minutes yeah. something yeah. like that yeah and this guy was another slightly confusing one he this guy who looks like a villain who definitely looks like he's going to be the baddie in the film walks down the dock gets on a boat incredibly suspiciously sails out to sea and is blown up within about three seconds. And that's another one I couldn't mm. quite figure out. Like, who did just die there? Who blew up who? Mm. Like, what's going on? Yeah. Um, yeah, three killings down, five minutes in. Actually, just something to note. Um, which version of the film did you guys check out? Because uh, I, I checked out the director's cut. Yeah, I think I watched the director's cut as well. I know it, was the, it wasn't the cut version because there was the, a very... A very violent scene uh, uh-huh. that I read that that was only in- included in the theatrical version, I think. Of course, yeah, yeah. So apparently, yeah. there's like 44 seconds missing from the original. Yeah, I read about and it. And as basically, well. that's all the gore that's been yeah. added back in. Yeah, yeah. It was something like. Uh, well, look, this is embarrassing. We're on podcast number one, and it turns out we might all have watched different yeah. versions of the film. <laughs> <laughs> Go back and watch it again, guys. Yeah. I mean, there won't be any so plot points miss? uh, miss, missing, but. Yeah. Nothing, no, no plot points. Literally, uh, they just kind of edited out all the gore, which, you know, is stuff we'll get to uh, later in the film. But yeah, it, it basically did, just kind of takes Did you see a guy more. get his arm severed off? Uh, yes. Yeah. Shit, okay, yeah. You, you probably saw it then, man. <laughs> yeah, you probably saw the that, that was, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, because that was one of the things that I was sort of um, th- sort of wondering when I saw it again here. It's like, you know, I watched this, you know, quite religiously when I was a kid, and I do not remember it being this violent, you know, like the arm cut and, you know, someone's getting a very close, you know, shave mm. and saw blade stuck in the neck and all kinds of gory stuff. And I don't remember it being so, so violent. Uh, so, um, but yes, um, this was definitely the director's cut <clears throat> because also the commando that I grew up with was sort of one that, you know, when we were at, you know, um, kids' birthday parties, it was always like, you know, us boys would get in a room and, you know, watch commando or play commando. And parents would be okay with that, I'm hoping, you know, because it wasn't so, I mean, people were getting blown up, but it wasn't exactly sort of gore um, uh, like this. Yeah. So, yeah, it was definitely, definitely director's cut. Yeah. Oh, the 80s, yeah, like the, there was a lot of censorship. Um, there was a lot of hysteria about uh, video violence as well, especially in, in Scandinavia. So, yeah, a lot of butchered video movies. Nasties. Yeah. Video nasties, yeah, I was about yeah. to say. And the director's cut, it kind of makes Commando look a bit like a video nasty, which, you know, I definitely don't remember it as. Mm. So. so what do we think about that as an intro to a film then? 80s action hero film, three killings down, five minutes in. Thoughts? 
efficient. Uh, I mean, yeah. it, I mean, it definitely kind of puts you straight into it, right? So you know, there's definitely this, you know, there's you know, there's something going on, and like you said, Leon, you know, there's a little bit of confusion as to why is this happening, and you know, you know, you know, how is this related to, to Arnold? But uh, yeah, we're uh, you know, we're about to find out because then, you know, you move into the potential fourth killing, mm. where and um, you know, you start out by having, well, you you like in the Californian mountains or something like that and you see this giant of uh, of a man come walking down you know you see his shade you see his oily muscles <laughs> and everything and it's it's all and the chainsaw dude that yeah. and the chainsaw as as and that. then you reveal and you see it's arnold with a chainsaw in one hand and a fucking log so, over the shoulder you know he's just been I out just it. chopping so wood, uh, i'm gonna i'm know. gonna ruin the magic a little bit here but i uh, I, I saw a piece of trivia that basically said that the log he's carrying was hollowed out because it was so massive no one could actually carry it so yeah oh yeah man. i know um, i just lost yeah. something there nice one, sorry guys mm. my job and here is other in- <laughs> <laughs> and that was pirate dance first and last uh, time on the uh, on the last action hero podcast here thank Bye you very everyone. much Dan. <laughs> um, i think also an interesting thing here and uh, it's also sort of pointing this in a you know, slightly weird light, but the director, Mark, uh, Mark Lester, has said that that particular sort of intro and shot, you know, sort of, you know, Arnold is sort of almost being like introduced to kind of like this superhuman, you know, type character. And the director has said that he was directly inspired by, um, what's her name, Lenny uh, Riefenstahl's uh, movies from which were part of Nazi propaganda, uh, Nazi propaganda yeah. kind of, yeah, exactly, ah, trying to yeah. sort of paint the picture of the German soldier as like this strong, you know, hero type and, you know, villains as like these, you know, creepy little, you know, dudes. So he, so he said that he was directly inspired uh, by that, which, which it's a little bit of an interesting one because, and you know, this, um, because like um, Riefenstahl, who was sort of, you know, you know, like first, like not to venture too far into that, but he's, but she, because she, because it's a female director, which is quite interesting because, you know, she sort of invented a lot of modern cinema sort of, you know, tricks of, you know, use of camera and sort of use of, you know, camera as sort of part of storytelling. And, you know, she did it as part of the Nazi propaganda. Um, so it's a little bit weird that her legacy from that actually still lives on in cinema. And, um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's just a strange kind of, you know, thing to look into. And, uh, um, but again if it wasn't for her you know we probably wouldn't have had a lot of these iconic shots and camera moves and sort of storytelling techniques that we have in modern cinema uh, today interesting yeah. wow yeah good, good yeah. research yeah. no way um but I let's mean, get back to the on, killing on <laughs> <No>. <laughs> what, what i actually like about this intro is that um surely it's been done for sort of comedic reasons but we're introduced to uh i mean we shouldn't call him either we're introduced to john matrix mm. As this this muscle bound tree carrying chainsaw loving guy walking from the woods, you know he's a, he's a man's man, and then uh, he, somebody's sneaking up on him. Mm. You know there's there's danger coming, and he turns around and it's his daughter. And then we're introduced to this montage <laughs> of John Matrix like feeding baby deer from his hand and like sharing ice cream his daughter yeah. Around. yeah yeah and, and daughter covering his face in ice cream and him laughing <laughs> you know in Amazing, his probably very yeah. arny way yeah. did anyone think my wife that, pointed uh, out yeah sorry Bill. no sorry did anyone think that his daughter looked a lot like uh, eleven from stranger That's things exactly what i was just gonna say right exactly yeah yeah <laughs> it's like a spitting image 
Totally, yeah. Those yeah. guys, literally, when they made Stranger Things, obviously got the whole 80s kids like just down so well. Because mm. she, she's, yeah, spitting image completely yeah. looks just like her. It's insane. I'm glad it wasn't just me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um. Something I felt, thought was interesting. So like, right, right after this whole, uh, this whole montage of, you know, Arnie, you know, well, John Matrix uh, living the, the family life, um, you know, they, their first kind of parts of dialogue together. He, he talks about, um, he gives a little bit of kind of background about himself, you know, a bit of exposition there. Uh, and he obviously says about when he was a youngster growing up in Germany, uh, which I thought was interesting because obviously Arnold Schwarzenegger is Austrian. So I wonder what the choice was there to kind of change him to being German. Why not just stick with him being Austrian? Probably to not confuse with Australia for the American audience. Ah. Yeah, I would I not if, be surprised. <laughs> yeah, or possibly German I always get them confused. Is just more um, well known. Hmm. Yeah, like again, the the Austria Australia thing. Maybe Austria just wasn't really a a recognised place in American culture. Whereas Germany, everyone knows yeah. Germany. Like. And I mean, I also have a slight bit of theory on that because I believe he actually says that he was, uh, you know, he's originally from East Germany. Mm. So obviously, like East Germany, like at the time, was sort of under the USSR. Um, so maybe, you know, they use that to kind of partly explain his accent, maybe because, you know, they sort of like understood, you know, it's a German accent. Um, but maybe all, uh, also why he was so kind of, you know, muscled up and oiled up. And maybe also just to kind of hint at an interesting backstory, like, you know, maybe he was, you know, um, you know, brought up in East Germany, you know, he joined the Russian army. He then, I don't know, you know, maybe, you know, he defected and, you know, became a, you know, commando in the US or like something like that. Like so a mercenary or something like he's like a... A mercenary or something like that. And, or, yeah. or, you know, yeah. And also just maybe just 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 make him a little bit more kind of like interesting because, ooh, East Germany and ooh, Russians yeah. and, you know, Cold War and all that stuff. He wasn't yeah. just living out in the Austrian countryside lifting logs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, I'm not convinced that the the kind of audience that went to see Commando were actually thinking this far into the guy's background. <laughs> no, no, no. I've got a feeling they were just thinking, oh, okay, he's German. We might be, or, we might be overanalyzing uh, a little bit, just a smudge. <laughs> Potentially. <laughs> I don't think the, the, uh, yeah, the geography and political kind of things were on the, uh, the moviegoer's mind at this point, yeah. <laughs> All right. Whoever's listening, this is a podcast about killing, damn it. <laughs> um, so John Matrix and his daughter are sat eating, I'm going to say eating dinner, but it looks like a sandwich and she's not even willing to uh, <laughs> tell him what's in this sandwich. You don't, don't want to know. Yeah. He's already had an ice cream. You know, his, his healthy living thing is out the window by this point. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and as they're eating, a military helicopter comes flying into the scene. Something's going down. So John Matrix goes outside to find his old, who is it, a general so, or a commander or yeah. something? Yeah. Colonel, I think he's all commanding colonel. And um, he explains to John Matrix that some people from his past uh, are possibly back for revenge, and they don't really say who, but they they do mention that, you know, you will have made a lot of enemies in your time um, on the job. (laughs) And he explains to John Matrix that all of his, his team, the other commandos, have been killed, and this is when we learn what those previous killings were about. And just as this is being explained, um, they they arrive. Mm. The terrorists, the the villains of the film, arrive, and all hell breaks loose. Yeah. Well, doesn't the colonel just manage to just get in his yeah, helicopter he and leaves. just you know fly by the, the like fly by the nearest hill, and then John Matrix, not a very East German name mm. by the way, but he sort of like you know you sort of see him, you know he's sensing something or what is it? He, he says smell. He's, you know he's smelling them. <laughs> yeah, well, he exactly. says that's, that's, smell that's them. actually one of my favourite lines yeah. of the film. 
You mean, would, would you think I could smell them coming? I did. Mm. I did. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then the bad guys arrive. And, you know, it's not just one or two bad guys. It feels like it's a whole army of mercenaries. So this is where the first sort of killing spree yeah. starts. There's a lovely insight into a John Matrix life there as well because he's, you know, he's this family man now. We don't know where his wife is. Um, but he's got his daughter and they live up in the woods and everything's peaceful. He's the kind of guy that chops down trees to make a fire. But when the shit goes down, he runs to this little keypad <laughs> and a secret door opens and he has a fucking armory <laughs> in there with more guns than I've ever just seen. Just to add to that, I thought it was hilarious that the uh, the passcode to his army was just simply 1-3. Like, like <laughs> it wouldn't take long to hack into that and steal some hardware, would it? No. <laughs> it wouldn't, but he's in the fucking mountains. There's no one around to come and get Except it. his daughter. And he can smell them coming anyway. <laughs> yeah. It's like he can't remember any, uh, any digits longer than three. Like, you know, digits long. <laughs> yeah. So what what happens then? So uh, so the the mercenaries come, they uh, shoot the shit out of his house, um, kills all of the commandos. They kill these two yeah, soldiers. That, by the way, the, the yeah. colonel said they were the best man on the job. Uh, dies <laughs> with, like <laughs> instantly, um, and then yeah, they uh, they get his daughter, um, and now we come to the first kind of um, uh, famous one liner of the film, uh, which is when. The kidnapper, uh, he sits in a chair, Orny comes in, he finds that the other commander guy is dead. Um, and the uh, commander, no, the, the, the kidnapper basically says, um, what do you say? He say like, uh, oh, we kidnapped your daughter, like you're gonna, you're gonna be uh, cooperating, right? And then Orny goes, wrong, and shoots him <laughs> in the head. Yeah. Shoots him point blank in the head. And it's funny because he sort of, you know, looks at the guy who says, uh, you want to cooperate, right? In like that really <laughs> kind of sleazy bad guy tone. Arnold kind of leaps out the window, uh, leans out the window, sees them driving away with her and then just looks back at him determined and says, wrong. And yeah, just blows the guy away and is like, whoa. You know, he's not taking any, you know, he's not taking any shit from anyone. It kind of sets the yeah, president for his character as well, though, and how yeah. he's obviously going to kind of react to all of these situations kind of going forward. Yeah, he, it's a great setup. Yeah. Uh, Hand it, shot first. He's not a guy who would, like, hesitate to uh, to kill if he has to, right? Like, he's not one of those, oh, yeah, shoot him in the leg, you know, like, try to find out what, who are these guys, What you know. No, just straight, you know, straight killing, one shot, headshot. Well, so with that in mind, he's now killed the only person who could possibly tell him where they're taking his daughter. So he decides to quickly run outside and chase the mercenaries who are making a, a mad getaway in their cars, tearing down through the mountains. So he decides to jump in his, I don't know what it is, like a big sort of yeah, pickup like style car, Chevy massive truck, yeah. thing. Right, and it, it won't start. So it's dead. You know, the battery's dead. This vehicle doesn't move. So he decides to push it off the edge of a mountain and jump in it and ride it down the mountain to chase these bad guys um yeah i and mean he, it's fucking awesome. i kind of like how that he basically, that he basically tries to ram yeah it. but they so, also mentioned during that scene that he has no brakes yeah once he's yeah, already he gone no over brakes, the edge yeah. and it's like oh shit <laughs> <laughs> and there's this amazing moment where like I love that he's out of control and he's, he's literally just bouncing around <laughs> like a rag doll in this car. There's absolutely no control. And this thing's tumbling mm. down the hill towards them and they dodge him the first time 
and then this must be a snaking yeah. road because yeah. somehow <laughs> as he goes tumbling past him they go around yeah. the next corner and he's coming down he's again still coming. <laughs> it's like the, yeah, the, he's, still, yeah, he's got a hit the editing the, the shots they've cut so as you say like you get the impression it's a snaking road but the only shots they ever show you of the enemy car they're almost taking the same turn each time so it's almost like they go around <laughs> in a big circle so yeah, and I love that this, this how out of control this vehicle was. It's just like bouncing and tumbling, and he's in it. And it's like, what the fuck did you think was going to happen, dude? Like, did you think you were just going to cruise down the side of here, just smash into the side of him? I don't know. Yeah. Lunacy. It's it's also a bit because like when he comes because when he tries to intercept them the second time, he you know he actually misses again, and yeah. not only does <laughs> and not only does he miss, he then you know flips over the road, lands on the top of the roof, and barely just makes it up before the cars you know. You know, all you know, explodes and is you know caught up in flames and everything. And then the bad guys jump him again yeah. and you know sort of pile on him, which is you know. And there were a lot a of bad complex. guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Were these the people who were in the van in the car? Are these other bad guys? Did they just <laughs> assume that the guy's a bit of a fucking idiot? He will come tearing down here. Just wait, I guarantee he'll end up here. Yeah, I, I, I didn't get did like because they wanted him to do a mission. We were jumping ahead a little bit, but they wanted to do a mission or him to do a mission, but they just left him right. So, yeah, yeah. Maybe, you know, they, they knew he would chase after them, maybe. But, uh, but yeah, it just seemed like uh, a bit of a plot hole there. That's yeah. a very good point. Yeah. It's like, you know, I mean, did they just expect when he sort of, you know, saw the guy that he then blasted away sort of sitting up there in his you know, favorite armchair and then he would just kind of put his guns down and then just follow him nice and quietly and, you know, they'd take a nice drive uh, down yeah, the road the, or whatever plan, or something probably, like that. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but then it's like, well, I mean, you're this is a you know, this is John Matrix, you know, you've seen the size of his biceps, <laughs> you're just gonna leave this scrawny bad guy there to kind of subdue him. Yeah. Yeah, this doesn't make any sense. No. That actually happens a few times in this film. Um, <laughs> we, we'll get to it, but there's a few times where someone sort of squares up to him, and it's like, are you fucking real? <laughs> like, have you seen the size of this man who has killed his way to find you, and you're gonna square up yeah. to him? I don't know. Yeah. So, um, the mercenaries have captured John Matrix. And they take him to some kind of secret base or some area where they're, yeah. they're gathering around with... Uh, who, who is this guy, the leader so of the mercenaries? I didn't Bennett, quite catch who he was. Bennett, right. The, the no, guy, the uh, guy above oh. Bennett, The guy in the, like, the tan oh, suit. That's the, oh, uh, that's the, um, the president. So he was the, yeah, yeah, he was the president of a South American country that uh, John Matrix commander unit helped liberate and they replaced him with another president. Uh, yeah. And he's obviously pissed about it. He wants his position back. So yeah. he wants... John Matrix, which we're going to find out now. He wants John Matrix to uh, basically assassinate the president they put in place so he can regain his former position. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you're taking notes because yeah. I watched this film three times and I still have no idea who that guy is. <laughs> He's was. supposed to be like the big bad at the top, but yeah. actually he kind of falls to the side uh, as, as Bjorn just slightly hinted there. Bennett kind of takes the, the lead yeah. as the, the main villain. Really. Antagonist, yeah. And Bennett, by the way, Can was one of say, the sorry, Jesper. Uh, uh, yep. but Bennett was one of the guys who died in the beginning, but he actually faked his death. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. They tell uh, Arnold in a scene uh, at the cabin. They tell him that Bennett was one of the guys. So that's why uh, I thought you were dead. You know. Uh, that's also where I fucked up my body count because <laughs> I know <laughs> Bill Duke. Yeah, there's another one. Oh, he's not dead. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I have to go back. Yeah. The race. <laughs> but. So with the uh, the general um, whose last name I keep on forgetting, Kirby. I gotta say, yeah, I gotta say, I actually feel so sorry for him because I just find him so you know he's basically like you know this old general you know he's you know very well dressed you know he just wants to be his dictator for life. Then John Matrix and his goons come and 
you know, come and depose him. He has to then, you know, um, work with guys like Bennett, <laughs> you know, like the... And then he just wants his country back and he just wants John Matrix to do what he's told or he will kill his daughter. And he just walks around with this constant sad face on it. I find it so, I I just feel so sorry for him. And I always just want to hug him, you know, just say, it'll be all right, you evil general. It doesn't feel like there's a lot of, uh, yeah, you're kind of basically told to believe that this guy's an evil general, but... You know, yeah. and as uh, yes, you say, you know, he was deposed, but you have no kind of background as to what kind of dictator or president he was. Like, yeah. What did he do that was so bad to have him deposed? Like, he yeah. might have been actually an all right guy, maybe. We don't know. He tries but... to sort of, he tries to sort of, um, what's the word, kind of, uh, he tries to sort of, um, you know, excuse himself uh, by saying that, you know, you don't understand, you know, the people of a country like Valverde, yeah. you know, they need a firm yeah, hand yeah. Uh, type thing. Um, so, but you, but you're right, you know, he doesn't really strike an imposing figure and sort of, you know, from this point in the movie, he kind of gets sort of weird off to the side. Um, and I don't know, I think, you know, the actor who's playing him is a, um, uh, is an actor called Dan Hidea, who, you know, you will sort of see sort of constantly kind of, you know, turn up in various like eighties movies, but he's normally sort of playing these quite kind of lovable, non-menacing characters. Um, so, you know, he, you know, he just feels a bit miss you know kind of miscast in this but again maybe because the focus shifts to bennett being the main bad guy so maybe you know to not have bad guy competition you know Mm. they sort of decided that well he needs to be this sort of slightly forgettable off to the side huggable general that you don't really care that much about Mm. i mean uh, another issue with this is that um he's he's a ex-general He's got a team of mercenaries, and as we learn later, he has an island with a militia on it. They, in the space of like 24 hours, have killed three of America's best commandos. Why can't they just go and take the president out themselves? Why do they need John Matrix? Like, they've literally just killed his entire fucking squad, and they're like, oh, we need your help with something, I think mate? they explained yeah. it by that the, 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 president, the current president uh, trusts John Matrix. Because he was like, he yes, was this he like on. single reason that they, you know, managed to replace him. The, you know, uh, so so I think that's the very uh, paper thin way of explaining. <laughs> Rather than kind of have some sort of uprising or like a coup or something, yeah, yeah. they they want to kind of do it on a more kind of s- stealth level and have uh, John Matrix try and get close to this you know, this new president and take yeah. him out. Yeah. So uh, this is also where we discover that Bennett <laughs> is an absolute badass as he. They they show John Matrix that they have his daughter Jenny. Yep. And Bennett holds her hair back and has his Bowie knife to her throat. And he's uh he's gonna kill her. So this is where we learn that Bennett he doesn't give a shit. Like he's a bad guy. Him and his crocheted vest. <laughs> yeah. I was I was gonna yeah, say we just talk about the, that yeah. outfit. My so God. I was gonna actually mention this, Luke. Can we get some appreciation for for Bennett's crochet vest? For, for the whole film, I was like, is it is it chainmail? Is it Mm-hmm. Is it crochet? I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, and one of the interesting things actually I found uh, when I was looking at this, so uh, uh, Vernon Wells, I love his name. He, he sounds like some Victorian kind of sci-fi author or something. Uh, he, he actually wasn't the first choice to play Bennett. He, he lost the audition to uh, Wingshauser, um, who was then fired uh, on the first day of shooting. Um, so they decided to get Vernon Wells back um, but at this point, all the costumes were already made oh. uh, and they didn't have time to adjust them, which is why all of, uh, all of Bennett's costumes yeah, look really kind of small, yeah, yeah because yeah. they were made for this bigger, like, well, this, this kind of other dude. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, but uh, yeah. I, th- I think as well that um, he, he'd got the job and Arnie didn't like him and Arnie didn't want him. And it was that scene where he held the knife to Jenny's throat that Arnie decided, oh, okay, maybe he's mm. up to it. Maybe he is the villain. And apparently they're great friends now. Even oh, now. really? Like, oh. Yeah, apparently so. Yeah. But uh, yeah, maybe they just didn't have time to add a few more sort of, you know, lines of crochet to his vest once they decided to recast him. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm assuming it's supposed to look like Chainmail. We're supposed to think it's chainmail, right? Surely this guy isn't actually strutting around in a crochet. It vest. just seems because he's got all this leather and studs and, and mm. crochet. Yeah. It's like... Tash. Yeah, he's a bit of village people, yeah. isn't he? He's, he, he's yeah, he's like a scary Freddie like... Mercury. It's <laughs> <laughs> actually that moustache and the haircut and everything like that. Um, I also read um, somewhere that the reason why this, um, you know, the initial the, or the first Bennett or Bennett the first was um, was actually fired was also because that the director saw him and sort of uh, sort of how he was sort of you know um, acting as the as the main threat to John Matrix and then just decided that this guy just does not have the character but also sort of the you know the presence to be an actual you know um, believable threat to um, to um, to Arnold's uh, Arnold's character mm-hmm. and I do think that um, this baby sort of sort of jumping a little bit ahead but when it does come down to the final showdown between Bennett and John Matrix you know you can sort of see why you need a you know a character both are sort of a certain you know physical size and strength um, but also sort of you know menacing character to sort of be you know be the opposition to to John Matrix because you know if it was too scrawny a guy then obviously John Matrix would have just have you know flicked him with a thumb and you know he would you know broken into pieces so it so it does make sense that they needed someone you know big and you know large and muscular to kind of you know be able to match uh, John Matrix kind of blow for blow so I think and you know we can all agree that the outfit makes it yeah. so um, you know I mean a good choice I think to actually replace him. Although the outfit is very very yeah, the juxtaposition <laughs> of leather and crochet kind of belies his uh, his uh, menacing character I think. <laughs> Also, not so, very commando-like. No. I mean, you, know, yeah. you you can't really sort of sneak up on someone in you know a, yeah, <laughs> in yeah. that. I mean, he's a bit like a pervert, right? In a way, like they, <laughs> like they yeah. I mean, they um, unlaced boots as well. Yeah. Which is just, it's just just well, another interesting point actually see, as well is they they mention later that he was uh, he was actually expelled from uh, John Matrix's unit, but again, no no uh, no explanation is given for well, that. I think so. they say that he liked killing too a little bit too much. What's the word? Yeah. <laughs> Going um, by the death count of this film, yeah, <laughs> I think it's kind of pot calling kettle black there. <laughs> so uh, okay, so yeah, let's, let's move, move on, on from this yeah. scene. Um, so we now learn that they've they've got John Matrix's daughter, and she's going to be held hostage hostage at Valverde until he turns up, kills the president, and then they promise to return her. So at this stage, two of the goons decide to take. John Matrix to the airport and they're going to put him on a plane and ship him off to Valverde and this is where shit happens this is the start of the film Um, up until this point John Matrix hasn't been in control and now he's going to take control now we learn what kind of a man John Matrix is yeah I don't think they put the the daughter in uh, Valverde she stays in the in the states right but he has to go to Valverde to uh, to replace the president uh, yeah, I think she stays on yeah, this yeah. island that uh, General Hogginess has. Um, yeah, and I think that's where the final showdown is set up because that was so one they, of the things that they never actually me, go to Valverde. The yeah, they never actually go to Valverde, right? 
Yeah, you're right. They find a map, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. They, find, they find an odd map. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, we've got um, two goons. One of them stays at the airport. Let me have a look. I've mm. written notes. What's his name? That's the creepy guy. Sully, the, the dude with the guy, yeah. awesome suit. Oh, Sully. Yeah, yeah Sully from Morris. I never, the, the other guy, they only name him once. And I never did catch oh, it. The... Each time I watched it, they said it and I never caught it. But basically, the guy who's like a, a stereotypical sort of pimp gangster. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But what I love about this guy, I don't know if you noticed, he's um they're they're going up onto the plane, the the, the massive black mercenary fellow, huge guy, and Arnie, and um this guy he's kind of pimped out, you know, he's got this really s- suave shirt and he's got this suit and he's looking fly, and he's got one of those funny old safari hats, on, <laughs> like yeah. the, the sort of sand safari hat, and I don't don't really know where yeah. this comes from. There is just something about the bad, the way the bad guys dress. You know, we'll, you know, we'll, you know, we'll talk about Sully's outfit in uh, in a bit. But also, when you get towards the end of the movie, when you see, you know, these bad guys who are there to actually sort of pick them up, like as they land, one of them has got the absolute worst, you know, dress combo I've ever seen. But we'll talk about that when we get there. But there's just something about the bad guys and the way that they dress. Yeah. You know, just look at maybe it's because they realise they hadn't written a lot of kind of plot exposition for the baddies and they needed to make them memorable. So that would just give them some shit yeah, exactly. to wear. Like. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And uh, Sully, uh, so, uh, sorry, so Sully, uh, he, um, he tells Arnie, before they go on the plane, uh, he, he tells him that, uh, he gives him some money and he says like, uh, you know, have some beers in Valverde so we can have some more time with your daughter. And then Arnie um, tells him, you're funny, Sully, so I'm going to kill you last. Which is and this is a very, very key yeah. point. Possibly the, the only important plot point in the whole <laughs> film. This is the only setup they make that actually has to pay off. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I think it's also worth uh, just dwelling on Sully a bit because, like, first of all, his outfit. You should see the suit he's wearing. It's, like, so delightfully 80s <laughs> chic in the wrong way. He's got, like, these weird kind of square patterns on it and, you know, the, the tie uh, as well. Um, he's, about four foot I was, <laughs> he's about four foot tall. <laughs> I was wondering, like, are these guys, like, are these guys military? Are these guys commanders? Yeah. Because so far, everyone actually. else has been massive. And then there's yeah, this yeah. guy who's just, like, really tiny. Yeah. He, he, they, <laughs> I feel like... Sully's just like a businessman, though, right? I think he just does deals and gets jobs yeah. done. Yeah, he yeah he's sort of like the yuppie, you know, bad guy type thing. You know, he's probably the one that's sort of controlling all the you know money flows and making the contacts and everything like that. Um, but I just also think that you know him, the way he's just playing it, you know, Sully in general. There's a few examples, uh, you know, sort of uh, you know sort of more you know sort of further on. He just plays him so creepy, like you know his all presence, you know, whatever he says is just so creepy but sort of not in a you know haha creepy guy sort of 80s campness but actual actually creepy you know um i I, I feel like he's the guy from the warriors and i feel like he was he's a little bit like that in that film Mm. as well yeah a little bit like slimy and creepy and weird yeah definitely definitely that he's sort of like you know sort of got that sort of down to a t really Mm. you know okay look so we're going to come back to sully in a minute because he has he has a lot of film time but i think um we should talk about probably the first massive Arnie one-liner in this film that arrives <laughs> in this scene. Um, does anyone want to take this? <laughs> I can see you really want to. You go for it. Go on. <laughs> okay, so they, they, they've now um, set themselves up on the plane and John Matrix is trapped on this plane about to head to Valverde, but he doesn't really want to. And he, he checks out the air stewardess and the doors are shut, so he knows he's got a problem. So he's sat next to... Uh, mercenary uh, number one. I think his name is, is it Velasquez or Rodriguez or something like that? 
Henriquez. Henriquez. Okay, so he's he's next to Henriquez with his little safari hat on. And Henriquez uh, says to him, if, if you speak up again, I'm going to kill you. Which he isn't, because they need him to go and kill the president. <laughs> so that's, that's a waste of time. <laughs> but um, John Matrix asks the air stewardess for a pillow and a blanket. And um, he gets these, and the engine starts, and they're about to take off. And John Matrix delivers the baddest elbow to the face you have ever seen to Henrique. He snaps his neck, puts him under the blanket to make him look like he's asleep, and tells the air stewardess, don't wake my friend up. He's dead tired. <laughs> He's dead That's tired. Such a great moment. <laughs> dead tired. Yeah. And he does it with such a complete deadpan face. Yeah. It's amazing the way he delivers the one-liners. <laughs> yeah. Uh, can I also just say that I am amazed that none of the other passengers kind of turn around yeah. and sort of look at it because it is a super noisy <laughs> neck snap yeah. he does. Like, not only does he elbow him full on, like, in the face, he then kind of takes him, sort of takes a really good grip, and then he rips his neg off or yeah. snaps it. So much so that in, that, Hen, that Henrique... Henrique. Uh, uh, <laughs> yes. You know, his arms kind of go flapping up <laughs> everything. And, you know, no one bats an eye at it. It's like, oh... Yeah, you know, this is just This what is something that I also highlighted and... later as well. Uh, when you see a later shot of the plane, we'll, we'll get to it uh, when we get there. But yeah, just the, the, the sheer, like, kind of. No one seems to pay paying any attention to any of this situation on this plane. Just everyone's just carrying on. This is weird. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, there's another amazing moment. So John Matrix decides he has to make his getaway. And somehow he already knows what he's going to do because he's a commando. He must do. So he goes, he takes his seatbelt off and he goes tearing towards the back of the plane. And what, what he plans to do is go down into the cargo latch and try and climb out the bottom somehow. And one of the air stewardesses stops him and she says, you know, during takeoff, you have to stay in your seat and be buckled in. And his excuse to continue is, I have air sickness. <laughs> but the plane hasn't actually moved yet. Like they've literally just turned the engine on. And she's like, oh, okay then. Yeah. Along with probably and about three or four of the toilet, people. He gets in a yeah. lift. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's amazing. And, um, and he also asks, uh, how long is the flight? Uh, and she says 11 hours. So he sets his watch to 11 hours. Um, so he knows that that's as much Again, a time. Massively important plot yeah. point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, another and so it's just me. Escape. Yeah. yeah. And so this is just one of sort of my sort of pet hates, not really hate, but if you notice that any every time someone in an 80s or even like one movie now, uh, any movie now, they set a clock or something, they do something like on a device, it beeps like fucking crazy you know it's like beep 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 like if he's running around trying to hide with that watch constantly going beep 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 like that you know i mean surely they're gonna see him like straight away or is it you know, only like when they look at the watch that it actually starts to sound yeah. off you know M moving off the watch bit and, and veering off slightly here that this is actually a pet hate of mine i get it a lot with video games and things right you play as a secret agent let's say splinter cell right and you're sneaking in the shadows and you're avoiding mercenaries and terrorists but you're talking to a guy on a headset the whole fucking time. <laughs> and it's just not like, even how like does whispering. someone hear this guy? Yeah. <laughs> or see the massive green lights on your headset in the shadows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Arnie makes his escape. Sorry, John Matrix makes his escape. He tears his way down through the cargo bay of the plane. Which surely would just set off some alarms off. or maybe pose a serious depressurization <laughs> risk to the rest of the people on the plane. I don't know. <laughs> I think on his way, just like hanging onto the plane would just keep the plane from flying <laughs> <laughs> off. <laughs> Actually, there is something worth noting here. These days, 
everything is VFX. In the 80s, everything is stuntman. And a fucking stuntman is clinging onto the landing gear of a plane while it's, while it's tearing down the runway. And just as it takes off, this guy is going to let go and dive into, I don't know, like a swamp. swamp. Yeah. I, I love that he made literally uh, no splash when he lands. It's like, plop. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, Commandos so can do that. John Matrix has now escaped the plane. He's away from his captors. And now the tables have turned. This is where John Matrix is now about to do things his way and fight his way back to the top. Um, he escapes the marsh. He sneaks his way into the airport and he looks for Sully so he can now pursue him and start his mission. From this point onwards, John Matrix will be oiled up and sweating <laughs> endlessly <laughs> until the end of the film. This, this is it. Arnie is now in full action hero mode. Um, so we're in the airport and Arnie's pursuing Sully. And we get back to Sully uh, and we realise that he's he's a bit of a sexual predator. He's He's trying it on with a... I don't know. She's she a, an air hostess. Yeah, she's an air, air hostess. hostess yeah, who uh, her flight got cancelled, so she uh, she's making a phone call to her boyfriend, I assume, uh, trying to make plans. And Sully sneaks up to her and basically says, like, um, you know, uh, go on a date with me instead. And she's like, no. Casual yeah. as that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So can I just, then, I just chime so in here? So it's. it's it's kind of at this point, that, you know, this moment, we're kind of introduced to the character of Cindy, who will, uh, you know, basically join Arnie for the rest of the film, uh, played by uh, Ray, Ray Dawn Chong. She's um, the daughter of uh, Tommy Chong, of uh, Chi and Chong. Chong. Yeah. Uh, no way. Yeah. yeah. Is she? Wow. Yeah. I didn't realise. I just want to say, I, I really loved her character, like... You kind of expect with these kind of 80s action films for them to kind of, you know, the the, the, the sidekick to just not be of any use, you know. And I don't know, I, I like some comparisons I could think of would possibly be maybe Willie Scott in Temple of Doom or something. You know, you think she's mm. just going to be this annoying kind of grating character who does, serve, does nothing to serve any kind of purpose to the story. But she, she, they kind of don't have any kind of love interest stuff in this. She just kind of is really helpful to progress the story. She's helpful to John and everything she does is just kind of really kind of fun and sweet and just super helpful. And it's just like, as a side character, she's just, she carried it, man. She's without her. I don't see how the, you know, a lot of this film could have proceeded. Yeah, I, I agree. I think she, she lightens it up totally. quite often, but I also think there there's glimpses that she's going to be a bimbo. Yep. And you, you almost think, oh, here we go. Who's it? I don't know. You know, that she's going to be this sort of shallow female just there for the guy. And yeah, no, I, I agree with what you're saying. She she isn't at all. She's, she, had, she's she was my favourite character of the whole thing. She was just really fun. I think she's the only one who isn't two-dimensional. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think it's also, it's interesting because you're right, you know, she actually sort of does have a purpose. You know, she's not just the damsel in distress. Um, but I don't, I think it's also sort of quite important that, you know, um, and, you know, it's probably getting a little bit sort of political here, but she's not played by a, you know, a Sharon Stone or, a, you know, like a, you know, a blonde or anything like that, you know. I mean, you know, uh, Radon. Chong, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing the name uh, correctly, but, uh, you know, she is a, you know, she's a woman of, uh, you know, she's 
it, you know, she's a black woman, right? And I think her playing sort of a lead character to someone like Arnold in the mid 80s, I think that's actually sort of quite an important, mm. you know, moment in cinema history, yeah. uh, I think. And also for her to not have this, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm so helpless. Please come and save yeah. me because you're the big man. I think that uh, I think that's you know quite. I think it's a massive merit to the film. Yeah, I'm reading mm. some yeah, uh, some trivia here, and uh, apparently they were supposed to have a love uh, scene, but it was deemed so unrealistic that they dropped it. Like there was basically was, no was there was no uh, uh, sexual chemistry between them at all. <laughs> yeah. It's not only that she was the person who stopped it. They were going to make okay. it. it we, we'll, you know, we'll we'll get to it later, but it's it's when they're on the plane, mm. and she said it was fucking ridiculous. She said in this kind of high pressure situation, why would two people feel horny and want sex? And they they listen yeah. to her. So yeah, good on her. Yeah, good on her. Good her. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Hashtag feminism. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Moving um, on. Where do we go from here? Let's yeah. so, so we're at Sully being a predator. Well, so S- Sully is now um, been pursuing Cindy from the airport towards the car park Mm -hmm. where Cindy stands up for herself and basically tells him to fuck off. Like, you're a bit of a creep, piss off. He immediately flips and calls her a whore or something and walks off and you realise, okay, this guy, like, he's a prick. Like, no one likes this guy. And just as Sully walks off to his car to, to leave... John Matrix turns up because he's been following him oh, on the on the quiet in the background. No one spotted this oiled up, massive military man who uh, probably stinks of swamp as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's this wonderful moment where Cindy has quite a small car. It's a nice car, but it's quite a small car. And uh, John Matrix has to stay incognito <laughs> as a passenger in this car. So he literally tears the seat and throws it. She is yeah. pissed at this. Like, no, as you, as you would be. I mean, car? it's totally understandable. Yeah. <laughs> you want to be incognito I mean, and he makes a... so much fucking noise pulling this seat out of her car. And, like, all you have to do is sit in it and fucking roll the thing back and lay down. Or even get in the back seat. Like, why did you break <laughs> her car? Like, the, This is something that actually I, I wasn't entirely keen on about the film. And, and as, as we'll go on, but we've discussed it already, that, um, you know, Cindy does become quite helpful and they 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 partner up they sort of team up but during this scene he has actually kidnapped her mm. and there's absolutely no reason to do so um he could have taken a car he could have taken her car but he basically kidnaps her and demands that she takes him to mm. the well to follow to follow this mm. guy um yeah yeah i don't know like, you know it, it it just sat a little bit uneasy that they they become great, but really it's dark beginnings for these two. Yeah, it also seems a little non-commando like because surely a commando is trained to yes work as a unit, but also work individually. So without having to, you know, um, mm. yeah, maybe yeah. he right. never learned to drive. Maybe yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, he couldn't drive his car earlier. Could <laughs> you saw what happened like when he went down the hill, right? <laughs> He's like, learn from my mistake, mate. You're driving. <laughs> so uh, he follows so over to yeah. Sorry, so they go to a mall, right? The next mm. scene. Yeah. They do. So this is actually the same mall from Terminator 2, the Galleria. Oh, really? Yeah. Ah. I thought I'd recognised it. I also had a Galleria in the, the <laughs> town that I lived in when I was at uni, um, oh. which wasn't nowhere near as cool. Yeah. It didn't have any Terminators or Commandos no. in it. Or, or that Just students. Machine. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong film. <laughs> <laughs> so what happens in the mall? Um, basically, yeah. So we, we've... Follow Sully into the mall, 
and we discover here that um, Sully, basically, jo uh, John Matrix is kind of using Cindy as a distraction. So he's pursuing Sully to try and find out more about where his daughter's whereabouts could be, so he can he can find them. And Sully goes upstairs and walks into a bar, and he's doing some kind of shady business deal. And John Matrix sends Cindy into the bar as a distraction, so John Matrix can then... I don't, I don't know what he actually plans to do. Any ideas? I think he wants her to kind of be a, uh, a focus point for, for Sully to kind of draw him out. He was going to use her to kind of come back and sort of say, actually, I do like you. Come on, let's go off somewhere. And then he could then strike. I think that was his plan. So it was kind of that, that yeah. follow-through. But instead... <laughs> Cindy has her own plan and decides to tell the police officer that she's been kidnapped by a psycho. Yeah. And she points across the mall to say, there he is. And this tank of a man tries <laughs> yeah. hiding behind a pillar in the most <laughs> obvious way I've ever yeah. seen. It's yeah. the funniest scene because he's, he tries to <laughs> hide behind the pillar, but he's too big, <laughs> you know? And he's still all wet. He's still all oily, <laughs> and he still reeks of swamp. And I love that the, the cop calls for backup. He's like, you know, I'm going to need a hand, you know, to take this guy down. And the guy he calls for backup. He's like, speaking to these people. He's like, hey, yeah. you know, want to see me kick some ass? And it's yeah. like, dude, you're like yeah. five foot. You, you know, you're tiny. Yeah. Like, you need to it's see the this thing. Scrawniest cop ever. Yeah. It's not happening. And then what I love about that cop as well is like, then he's like, hey, you want to see me go kick some ass? And he, you know, he looks over at Arnold. He's, you know. This scrawny cop is sort of trying to hide behind a pillar as well. And then he calls in for backup and he says, you know, looking like at this big guy, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's, you know, big, broad shouldered. And what is it he says that, you know, he's one lean, big ass motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> he says that motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. Just sort of trying to make himself sort of, you know, sound, you know, tough and everything. Yeah. In his so head, he's like, I'm going to get killed. Yeah. Yeah, he's exactly. <laughs> like, oh, shit. So the police uh, spots Arnie or, uh, and uh, a fight breaks, breaks out. And also Sully, uh, <laughs> in, in the mayhem, he, 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 he sees that it's uh, John Matrix. And uh, all hell just broke, breaks loose with, with fighting, very something comical th fighting. Something I thought was quite yeah. funny here was uh, just, just before this hell breaks loose, uh, as, as Leo mentioned, that Sully was talking to this dodgy dude in a deal and they were you know they were up to something here you know, he gave him false passports and stuff this this whole thing breaks loose and this random guy that sully was talking to just decides he's gonna run out and start shooting too and obviously gets himself <laughs> killed it's like dude you could have just stayed in the restaurant you'd have been fine you serve no it purpose so to weird. this yeah. you're not that interesting <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, he's there in his hawaiian shirt and he could have just like Tipped his hat down, walked out. Yeah. But instead, yeah, yeah he goes yeah. running out of the it. bar and just opens fire. <laughs> Pro into the promptly public. gets killed. Fucking yeah. bizarre. Yeah. yeah. This is also where we get to one of those very 80s problems where, you know, Sully comes out of this bar. He sees that John Matrix is fighting all these cops who just keep on, like, coming at him. And Sully goes, Matrix. And then he starts to, you know, sort of pat around his pockets. And, he, you know, he needs a quarter. He needs a quarter. And Cindy comes out and he sort of jumps on her saying, I need a quarter. It's such yeah. an 80s problem <laughs> that, you know, these days we'll just have whipped out a mobile phone or even had, like, a satellite phone or a walkie-talkie yeah. or something. But no, he needs a quarter. And not only does he then need to get the quarter, he then needs to go to a 
phone <laughs> call a number in order to warn them that Matrix is not yeah. on the plane. It's like, did you guys not plan for any contingencies here? And this leads us to a great moment. So oh, yeah. Arnie is, sorry, John Matrix. I keep calling him Arnie, man. I don't know why. Um, John Matrix has fought off like a pile of coppers and he starts charging towards Sully. He's like jumping across things and over things. And he eventually gets to Sully, who's in a phone box. And Arnie tears the phone box up from the floor and starts shaking it above his head with Sully in it, screaming like a little bitch. It's just like this bizarre moment of like heroics and muscle and power. It's like a Such pole a wrestling uh, scene almost. I, I also felt like the fighting scene, it, it, it felt a little bit Jackie Chan, like... Um, the way it played out a little bit, and and he swings from the yeah. from the thing like Torsen uh, jumps onto the elevator, like that felt a bit like you know like, uh, but except that the fighting wasn't as good. It was very uh, it was very pro wrestling, uh, <laughs> one punch, one kick, you know, and then just uh, carrying a guy and like, yeah, it was uh, the fighting wasn't very convincing. Um, so before this film, um, uh, Arnie has done Conan and he's done Terminator. And in Terminator, he doesn't have to fight. And in Conan, he's a barbarian. And I think it's here that, you know, we've got this um, this nostalgic memory of Arnie being in these action films. But here, I think, as a viewer looking back, we discover that actually he can't, can't fight. Yeah. fight. Like, each, each move he does, you can see it's just a move that's been yeah. choreographed and cut there's never a sequence at, at one it's like double punch yeah, this yeah guy, double cut, punch yeah. this guy cut yeah, yeah. the double punch was uh, memorable when he just goes it's like superb yeah. in it yeah <laughs> <laughs> i wish people listening could have seen that but that is exactly what he does <laughs> yeah i think also um, just um, uh, um just a few sort of trivia moments here but i think there's a lot of stuff that's happening in this um uh, this uh, mall or galleria um, scene here. So uh, when I was doing my research, so um, I found that uh, on the day they were uh, shooting this, so sort of part in the lead up to all the hell, like breaking loose and all the fighting and sort of like, uh, sort of like getting away, um, John Matrix or Arnold um, has to deliver this sort of quite long line to... Um, uh, uh, what's her name again? The female sidekick. Cindy. Cindy, sorry. He has to d deliver this very long line to Cindy as to what it is he's doing, why he's doing it, why he needs her help. You know, basically like, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a retired commando. You know, these bad guys have kidnapped my daughter. I've only got, you know, this amount of hours to get her back or they will kill her. You know, and, you know, not only does he have to deliver this line, he has to, you know, also sort of, you know, you know, as you know, sort of as the actor, he has to sort of make it sound as if he's, you know, he's, you know, generally, you know, being truthful and also sort of, you know, slightly pleading. You know, he needs her help uh, with this. And apparently, on the day they were filming that, Arnold was incredibly nervous about this um, because there was a lot of doubt about his merits, like as an actor, and not only as an actor but also like as a leading man uh, in um, in uh, in a movie and sort of being able to sort of lift it. So. And this was, I think someone was mentioning that this is the longest line in the whole movie he's had to deliver. And he was so nervous about um, about delivering this because apparently on the day, on the set, they had a lot of execs down and a lot of these execs from the movie studio, they weren't convinced that Arnold could be, you know, acting, especially not with that accent and, you know, sort of that, you know, English not being his uh, his first language. So they were actually essentially looking for excuses to have him dubbed throughout the movie. Oh. So he was incredibly nervous because he wanted this to be a good moment. So he was rehearsing, rehearsing, rehearsing. And then like on the day, you know, like 
the day like luckily he nailed it and you know the rest is uh, the the rest is history but i mean imagine being arnold you know thinking this is my big moment to be more than just a pair of muscles sure. and then sort of being psyched by these execs these suits like on the day you know it must have been absolutely terrible I mean, for him you know you're talking about a guy so this is his his third film as as the lead role you know and he, his his star power is built on his physique the way he looks and mm. that you know he's he's it's not like he started a bunch of films before this as a you know, as a secondary character or a secondary actor and then kind of worked his way up. He's literally gone from being this, this you know, uh, professional uh, bodybuilder to being a lead actor in his own films. The amount of pressure that guy must be under to deliver must be yeah. unreal. It must, exactly. In his head, it must be really kind of, you know, a lot going on. Yeah. 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 Exactly. My, and my trivia is not on form here. I can't remember. Uh, the director worked with him on something else. But anyway, I learned that they went over the script a few times and they rewrote it to continually find words that he could pronounce as well because Arnie was having a lot of trouble with his accent being able to say some lines. So they would rewrite everything and find words in his vocabulary that he could say in a, a sort of with an American pronunciation, mm. which I thought was mm. interesting. Mm. I think it's also I think it also speaks very much to the director, um, Mark Lester, that, you know, he was being really supportive of Arnold and really wanted him to succeed in this. You know, he wasn't trying to set him up for a fail uh, or anything. And, um, you know, I think um, uh, it might be disputed, but I think that Arnold can, you know, owes a lot to 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 Mark Lester and I think Joel Silver, the producer, for giving him this chance and sort of believing in believing in him enough that, you know, they weren't going to allow him to be dubbed or sort of sidetracked or and also give the character a little bit more, you know, sort of, you know, depth to it. Because this is also the first time that, you know, Arnold is, you know, the leading man, but also he has to sort of have a character that's got a little bit more than just being good at killing. You know, he's also a loving, you know, dad who just trying to get his daughter back you know and, i mean the um, dude feeds feeds baby deer from his hand <laughs> exactly you know it's i mean you know, more, guy, you know. You know. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> you know. okay so we're escaping the the mall yep. sully has made his getaway and matrix needs to get him um sully manages to exit through the mall by escaping out the backside of uh, elevator and he jumps in his car and makes his escape so john matrix runs to cindy's car and gets in that, and he's about to pursue him. But Cindy comes running out of the shopping mall. We should actually say that Cindy made a distraction in the shopping yeah. mall as well. She stopped a copper from shooting John mm. Matrix. So I think um, Cindy has realized that, you know, he maybe he's a good guy. Maybe this, this Sully is a criminal, or maybe I, I've misread him. So she's now on side. Um, John Matrix steals her car again, and he's about to chase Sully. And Cindy stops him. And she's like, look, if you're doing this, I'm doing this with you. So now they're, they're a team, they're a squad, and a amazing night chase in the cars oh. begin. Yeah. Where Cindy introduces herself as Cindy, and John tells her his name is John, and that's about as deep as that goes. <laughs> um, Isn't this then, also where we get sort of, you know, the sort of... The, sort of the only time that Cindy becomes a little bit sort of too comical side, uh, yeah. you know, sort of comic relief yeah. uh, sidekick because she goes on this major yes. rant, you know, in a high pitched voice, and you know, it's sort of comical, sort of on the point where it's like, this is this is actually not that funny, you know, this seems a bit too. This know, is where my comparison with Willie Scott kind of came about, you know, because when when we got to this stage yeah. and she was kind of screaming, I thought she kind of reminds me of that that lady from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, um, but I'm glad, yeah. you know, to say that after this scene, her character just really steps up. Mm. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 
I think there there are actually a couple of other times in the film where she does come in as comic relief, but it's it's more restrained and controlled. In exactly. this scene, it's a bit wacky. Like, oh my god, panic mode, everything's crazy. For sure. I also feel like the comic relief that we, we later get is, is also used to kind of break up you know, a lot of the violence and the tension, because there is a lot of violence, and I think without that element, this film would just... You know, it could very well be really nasty almost, you know? Mm-hmm. So, mm. um, yeah, she really brings that kind of... Ten- um, that... Uh, Kind of, you know, relievance. Is that a word? Lightens yeah. it up. Yeah. Light yeah. relief yeah. before we get back to the to the action. <laughs> yeah, uh, the which is a car chase in this scene. Where yeah. Well, which ends yeah. devastatingly in a in a car crash where Sully flips his Porsche. Yeah. And um they screech to a halt and no. John Matrix grabs. No no no, so Sully. what happened actually? I have to say this. Or they okay, Orney cool. and uh, Cindy, I, I call him Orney, but they basically crash into a, 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 a lamppost at what seems to be a very high speed. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Orney basically just asks her, oh, you are right. Uh, but I think at, at of course yeah, they were right. They're Even though, you know, as, as everyone says, they crash at a very high speed. Very and high she's speed. neither are wearing seatbelts. She doesn't even have a seat. Yeah. Like, you know, it's been torn out. Because <laughs> <Yeah, exactly. laughs> he ripped it out. So yeah. <laughs> Flying off the, the, <laughs> the hood yeah. of the car. <laughs> Not very good example of safe driving, but you know. <laughs> uh. So Sully is dragged from his car by John Matrix, who now has to get some information from him. And he needs to find out, you know, where's my daughter? So to threaten Sully, he holds him upside down off the edge of a cliff because they've, they've crashed on a cliff road. And uh, John Matrix has Sully by the ankle. And I don't remember, does he give up the information or does Arnie find uh, it? No, he, he finds a key. Yeah. yeah, he finds a key uh, with, with a number on it. Uh, and so apparently that's enough. Key. Yeah, a motel key. Uh, yeah, Sully is basically pleading for, pleading for his life because, you know, he's dangling by a single angle in Arnold. He says he's, uh, you know, he's holding him like in his bad arm, you know, his, yeah. him, you know, his left arm. And, you know, Sully's just, you know, trying to, you know, um, you know, save himself. And he says, um, if you put me down, you know, I'll take you through. I'm supposed to meet, um, you know, uh, this guy. Uh, and what, what and does Arnold, Arnold do? I, I think, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think, well, you know, kind of while still holding him, he bends down and shows him this uh, key to a motel room he's found and says, I already know. And then he goes on to say, um, Sully, do you know when last we spoke, I said I, w- I, uh, I, said I was going to kill you last? I'm not even going to do the voice. Um, and Sully, I think, sort of catching on to a glimmer of hope, they're saying, oh, yeah, that's right, you did. And then Arnold, with the coldest eyes and the coldest you know, delivery of this fantastic line, says, I lied, and just drops him. <laughs> and Sully just goes screaming down into this you know, gorge or whatever. And it's such a... It's such a delightful moment because Sully is was a creep. Yeah. So this is such a great way to, for him yeah. to sort of, you know... Some interesting trivia I found with that him. scene. So uh, the director initially wanted Arnie to literally just hold him by the ankle off this yeah. cliff with no safety nets, nothing. Uh, <laughs> Schwarzenegger was like, are you fucking crazy? You know? yeah. <laughs> so they did it with a crane in the end, apparently. Yeah. But... I thought it was I'm wondering the actor who was playing Sully, like the moment he, the moment he heard that, he, I mean, surely he must have done a double take as well. It's like, uh, what? I, I heard that the director was actually a little bit disappointed when he found out that Arnie wouldn't be able to hold him up. Like in his mind, 
Arnie is this like superhuman person. It's like, oh, you can't actually do that. <laughs> yeah, you can't even do that. <laughs> um, there's a lo another lovely one liner after it where he he's done the, um, you know, you know when I said I kill you last, I lied. Cindy says, um, where's Sully? And John Matrix says, oh, I let him go. Mm. And I just yeah. thought, ah, I see what you yeah. did. <laughs> it's like two, uh, two one liner in very rapid succession there. This point, and yeah. he actually delivers them really, really yeah. well. You know, sort of all his Arnie one-liners. You know, I mean, some of them are, you know, are really comical. You know, sort of maybe even, you know, involuntary comical. But he delivers them really, really well. I think. <laughs> okay, so we, so we've just discovered that Sully has been in the Sunspot Motel. John Matrix and Cindy make their way to the. They they steal Sully's car because hers is now wrapped around a lamppost and they make their way to the Sun Spot Motel. They break in and they're looking for clues, which I quite like here. Um, from this point onwards, everywhere they go, they find a clue. It's uh, Scooby-Doo. Yeah, incredibly <laughs> coincidental. Yeah, it's like and it, literally anywhere they go in this film from this point onwards, it's like, oh, look. Here's a clue. Here's a postcard. Here's a bit of torn something. Oh, I just found a receipt to that thing. Yeah, it's a bit um, uh, Deuce Ex Machina from here <laughs> on out. Yeah. Um, so they're in, the, they're in the motel and suddenly somebody turns up. There's a knock at the door and we discover it's Cook, who is another one of the, the mercenaries. He's the guy it's who did the Uzi Duke. killing at the start. Yeah. So... Um, Cindy pretends that she's been a prostitute with Sully. Well, Arnold, she, before that, he actually rips her shirt <laughs> so that she shows yeah. some cleavage. Uh, personal uh, space being before, broken there a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But she's cool with it. It's, it's for the greater good. The greater good. <laughs> the greater good. The greater good. <laughs> um, so she opens the door and she pretends she has been with Sully. Cook makes his way in, and immediately, John Matrix, he kicks off. He starts a fight. He kicks the piss out of Cook. But it turns out that Cook is also a badass. Yeah, he's a this green beret. This is where one of the, the big quotable lines comes in, I believe. Yeah. Who wants to do that? This one's your pirate, Dan. <laughs> I think I've, I've had a moment of stage fright here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so they're about to have. He mentions that he eats green yes, berries. Yes, I'm for very breakfast. hungry. Yeah. yeah. And right now I'm very <laughs> hungry. hungry. <laughs> and and then right after, uh, Cindy uh, comes in with her own kind of one-liner where she says, uh, "What's up with this matcha bullshit?" And she does have a point. Much, she yeah. does have a point. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love it that these guys go at it. Like they, they are rumbling, man. They're kicking the piss out of each other. They're fighting so hard they break their way through the wall into the neighbor's <laughs> yeah. bedroom. And they're in the middle of having sex, we might add. And so uh, yeah. that interrupted for yeah. them. Yeah, and uh, let's just dwell on that for a little bit because <laughs> what the f in heck is going on in that room? You know, I mean, they, you know, they busted through the door. Um, you know, Arnold or John Matrix. He basically. Uh, was it? He kicks Duke in through the door. It, you know, smashes, and Duke lands there on the um, on the floor. Duke, Duke Cook. Sorry, I think his Cook. Name is yes, exactly. Cook. The actor is called <laughs> Bill Duke, isn't he? Um, and then oh, we see that it's like, like uh, in the bed in that room. There's something underneath the covers. Suddenly, the covers fly up. It's this guy with a girl behind him, fully nude. 
uh, and there's a video camera there as well. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, am I the only one finding that a little bit strange? As to what is actually going on within that room? Like what? Like what are they doing? They're having good. They're times. having good times. Yeah. yeah, I think there's a little bit of. Um, yeah. Uh, Probably, Probably live streaming, <laughs> yes, you know, this was the 80s, obviously. Yeah. In the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Just creating a, you know, maybe they were podcast sat in their podcasting. Like that, you know? um, uh, yeah, maybe there's a little bit of, uh, you know, strap-on action uh, going on there. Who knows? Oh. But, yeah. Uh, I thought the guy looked a bit... We're allowed to say that. <laughs> oh. This is oh, yeah. family-friendly. <laughs> so so they've, they've fought their way, like, everywhere. They're fighting each other through the rooms, and there's punches and kicks and, like, judo throws. And eventually... John Matrix, that the hole in the wall that they have thrown themselves through, Matrix now, I can't remember if he kicks or punches or throws Cook back through that hole, who lands, what, what does he land on? The leg yeah, of the I think table? Yeah, broken table or something like that. Yeah. yeah, and basically gets <clears throat> impaled. Yeah. It's, it's turned into like a pole. So this, yeah. And th this this scene actually highlights cut. one of the differences as well between the director's cut and just the regular cut. So uh, in the regular cut, you never saw the sort of gratuitous, massive splinter sticking out of Cook's chest. It's uh, something that only you see in the director's cut. I love that oh. you're you're such a man that this is just a splinter. <laughs> 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 to Bill Duke, it's just a splinter. He, he got up after this, man. You know he did. Oh, just yeah. a scratch. That's just a scratch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also like that Arnold knows that uh, he doesn't have any uh, ammunition in his gun. Uh, he, he counted in his head how many bullets he fired. So he, he just stands yeah. in front of the guy when he tries to <laughs> shoot him. He grins at him. Like, yeah. always a step ahead. <laughs> he could smell the bullets. Yeah. <laughs> 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 he could smell the bullets. I've always wondered, and this is just yeah. a quick open question to you guys. Do you mm. think um, Cook would have been a better lead bad guy than Bennett? Like, did, like, did we need Bennett? <laughs> Do you know, um, I actually thought they were setting him up as that. I mean, obviously, yeah. you know, other films I've seen with Bill Duke in, he's been a much more prominent character. When, mm. you, when you first see him as being a villain, I instantly thought he's going to be the bad guy, the main bad guy. But um, I, guess, I guess it's kind of the thing with all the bad guys in this. They all seem to sort of take some weird backseat somewhere. It's really yeah. strange. So to see him kind of be dispatched quite yeah. quickly in this scene was uh, a bit of a shock, actually. There, there's um, mm. Bennett hate, right? But I, I actually quite like mm. Bennett mm. as the baddie in this. I know a lot of people... Um, yeah, online I've seen a lot of sort of piss-taking and hate towards Bennett, but I actually think he's a silly villain mm. for a silly film. Yeah. And I think that Kirk Duke probably would have... It would have been a bit too serious, a bit too straight, a bit maybe die-hard mm. or predator, and that's not... I think not the interesting true. things as well with, with Bennett, like... At face value, yes, he looks campy. He's like a massive walking pastiche. You know, he looks weird, but the the character, the character himself, you know, the, the personality, you know, the, the, the man. There's he's really unhinged. You know, you can see it in the, in the way he speaks and you know his uh, you know and talks about John and you know their their later interactions, and everything. You know, he's he's a dangerous dude, and I think you know his his appearance kind of doesn't really uh, kind of allude to that in any way. He's He's a scary guy. So Cook is now dead, and we're we're leaving the motel. We'll jump through a few scenes here because it's it's basically clues. But Cindy and John arrive at a a military warehouse or a dock or a factory. There's a lot of baddies here. There's a lot of military gear. I think this is the first time we get a a tease into possibly how 
armed and ready the these mercenaries are there's i believe there's tanks and gun turrets and sort of anti-aircraft missile and all sorts of things in this space um cindy and john make their way in they do a little bit of digging around a back room and they discover some more clues these clues are a map that guide them to a small island just outside of where are they where is this film based i think it's isn't it los angeles yeah yeah that's what i yeah. think yeah Okay, so it's a small island just outside Los Angeles somewhere. Who knew um, there was one? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's off the radar, yes. But that's oh, of course, yes, yes, you're right. Um, so we, we leave there and John decides before they go... Th so they're going to head to the dock and they're going to get a plane and they're going to fly to this small island. But first John has to do a little bit of shopping. <laughs> so they make their way to a shopping mall and somehow he finds a digger or a construction vehicle. <laughs> just happened to be there. <laughs> yeah, and he just happened to be able to start it. And he smashes his way through the door of this... Uh, it's this a gun, a gun shop. Yeah. Well, it's discount surplus, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. He picks up a load of camo first, and he, he gets all his gear. <laughs> and then did anyone notice how he found the gun room? Because these, these guns that he steals aren't actually on the shelf. There, there seems to be a secret button or something under the till and he just knows how to make it work. Ah. And this massive secret hatch opens next to the till, yep. and it's like an armory in there. So he, he kits up, uh, and uh, what do they find? Machine guns, grenades. Machine guns, handguns, yeah. knives, rocket, rocket launchers. Launcher. Mm. Not the just works. any rocket launcher. A four-rocket <laughs> launcher. A four-rocket launcher. <laughs> I'm not even sure if that thing it actually exists or if it's you know, made specifically for the movie, but it looked <laughs> badass. I quite like how compact it was as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you put it in your handbag. It fires four rockets and it's not really that big. Um, I like but unfortunately in this... Go on, so, yeah, you, you mentioned sort of, you know, he, he presses a secret button and this door opens. I, I wonder if they had the same kind of, you know, code he had for his uh, his shed armoury earlier in the film. Just I'll just punch in the number 13. That should do it. <laughs> See what there happens. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it works. <laughs> so John Matrix presses 13 and makes his way into the, uh, <laughs> the armoury. Where, yeah, they kit up. But unfortunately, before they get to leave the armory, they're busted. Mm. Police everywhere, and they capture John Matrix and throw him in a massive armoured van. Um, he tries convincing them that he's he knows the, the general of the army or the colonel of the army, and they patronise him. Yeah, right, mate. But somehow he has to make his mistake, his escape, sorry. And would anyone like to step in and explain how the... The amazing escape for John Matrix happened. So this is so actually uh, one of the only scenes I remembered from this film uh, <laughs> as a kid. <laughs> this is one the, the scene that stuck with me. Uh, yes, sir, I'll let you take it away. So this is where Cindy sort of really steps up. So um, while John's been going crazy as a you know kid in a sweet shop, basically just getting all kinds of guns and stuff and sort of losing himself in the moment, poor Cindy has been wheeling all this stuff out into the car. Um, you know, I think there's even like at one point, you know, she's sort of got the whole thing up on a shopping trolley and she's desperately trying to keep it all in while holding, you know, sort of a rifle to sort of use to sort of lock the stuff in and, you know, it kind of gets a bit comical as well. But as she's busy loading the car, the cops come, they arrest uh, John Matrix, um, and then they drive off with him. So then she goes, oh, what do I do? So she actually starts following them. Um, and uh, she sort of 
I'm not even sure she's sort of made the plan or she's just trying to make it up as she goes along, but she drives up on the side of the car, uh, sorry, the van that's holding um, John Matrix. And it's, it's, I find it a little bit strange, but there's no mm. other cop car in sight. There's just the van on the very <laughs> em- empty street in the middle of Los Angeles. Um, and there's no she cop cars give, around. She gives them the eye. Yeah, exactly. She's yeah. you know she sort of placed them up a, a little bit, and then we get to another very sleazy moment because there's two cops in the car, and the one on the passenger side, he basically sort of leaning out, and he's you know seeing her sort of playing up, and he's just giving it everything. You know, he's going into full on sleaze mode. You know, he's sort of looking down at her. So you know, I think he's chewing a chewing gum. He's all hair is all oiled up, and you know he's giving a sort of a round kind of moment and everything like that. And they come to uh, uh, what do you call them, a red light. Uh, they stop. Uh, the cop is like full on. Oh, I'm gonna get lucky tonight. Um, <laughs> and then the van drives on for the green light. Cindy stops the car. She goes rummaging around the back. She comes out with this amazing, you know, the cool kind of four rocket launcher, uh, whatever it is. And then she, her plan is simple: fire a rocket at the prison transport <laughs> that's carrying John Matrix, and hopefully he will survive, and hopefully he will then not be too dismembered in order to escape. So she fires a rocket. Uh, oopsie doodle, she's actually turned it the wrong way around. So the rocket goes flying off behind her into, what is it, like, you know, another store or something like that. Uh, she looks around and, just, and sort of goes, oops, sort of fumbles it, fumbles it around, sort of gets it the right way. And then the cops in the meantime are going, what the fu- F fucking hep happened? And then she fires it. It hits the car. It kind of makes the, sorry, the, um, sorry, the van. It makes the van all tumble over. Um, and, you know, out of the wreckage comes John Matrix, completely unharmed, <laughs> yes. and drums in the car with her, and off they go. Do you notice um, in that scene, she, she fires the rocket launcher. Uh, when she fires it forward, there's this massive re- recoil that sends her into the back seat of the car. But when she fired it backwards, she didn't exactly, like, fly forwards or anything, did she? Mm. Was, oh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, about that whole rocket launcher thing, there's something that I always thought was a little bit weird. Like, this is a massive, big, you know, presumably metal thing, right? It's it, you know, it's carrying four rockets, right? And both Cindy and uh, John Matrix, they basically just, you know, just, you know, just carried around like it was just a regular kind of shopping bag or something <laughs> like that. You know, it just keeps on like dangling around like on, uh, you know, like on their elbow uh, and stuff. And he's like, surely this thing has got to be heavier. <laughs> Maybe this not. was another lovely moment where uh, Cindy was com- comedy, like a bit of comic relief. I, I quite enjoyed it that everything had been a bit serious and they'd, you know, they'd been getting clues and going to military bases and the police had got them. And then her accidentally firing the rocket into the shop was just this quite sort of, it, I like that it didn't really make her look stupid. It was just a genuine mistake. Yeah. You know, ooh, wrong way. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then Arnold uh, asks her, like, how did you uh, learn how, how, how did you know how to fire it? And then she said, I read the manual. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Which is also sort of a, well, of course, you know. <laughs> While striving. <laughs> Whilst driving, yeah, exactly. And she's also a, a pilot in training. Which, yes. Uh, yeah. What yeah. a lucky coincidence, so, right? She's a woman of uh, many talents. Well, she'll be needing that because their next stop is the... They have found where the plane is. They found where the island is. So they go down to the docks. They get in a quick battle with the the local guards where they get shot at and they make their way to this island. I don't, we don't have a name for this island, do we? The secret base yeah, where the, the mercenaries stay. Because when I was young and watching it, I actually thought that that was Valverde, but now I you know, realise that it's not. They basically never make it to Valverde, uh, I don't think. So yeah, the island doesn't really have a name, uh, I don't think. 
Pilot yeah, yeah, it's, uh, the, yeah it's, it is a bit random. Like they they do they take off in the night and when they land it's in the morning, right? Mm. Mm. Uh, so it could be quite a long journey, but yeah, it's <laughs> it's never explained. I think so. There's also yeah, I mean yeah, not going. Well, th- uh, this is this is where the film I think does get a little bit. Um, I don't know, like uh, not necessarily wrong, but it didn't really set itself up very well. You know, mm. we've seen this. There, there was talk of Valverde, and then there's the secret island, and we found this factory full of military gear, and there's mercenaries, and I think it's just a little bit. Um, it's so focused on action and jumping through scenes that it's possibly tripped over itself a little bit and mm. left us a, a little bit in the dark as to what's actually happening. But people are getting shot, rocketed at, you know, there's killing, so let's let's fucking roll with it. Yeah. Um, they land at the island, and th- this is it. This is this is where Commando becomes. <laughs> I don't even know what it becomes. <laughs> this like, is where I, I lost <laughs> track of my body. Count. Well, I mean, it, it starts with Arnold, uh, John Matrix, uh, stripping down to his um, speedos, tiny speedos, tiny, tiny speedos, speedos. Um, showing all of his uh, leg muscle and, and glutes. Uh, and then he rows uh, to the island on a boat, so yeah, you can see what, his what uh, like traps and uh, magnificent uh, back muscles. Well, this is the thing. Like, <laughs> I, I've been rowing a few times, and I've been canoeing. You know, I, I've had paddles, and I've made my way across the water. I don't think I've ever had to flex as much as he flexes while he's <laughs> rowing this little boat. <laughs> like, yeah, either, yeah. either that, or I just don't look that good when I do it. Or maybe that's, you're just uh, doing it wrong. Uh, yeah, that's what's uh, usually <laughs> referred to as a, as a service shot. Um, in uh, I think in uh, in is this uh, anything like a money shot? Uh, kind of, <laughs> like, it's like in in uh, Japanese anime and stuff like that. When you know when they show like cleavage and stuff, but for the the, the male version, <laughs> so here is shot, it's, it's flexing his yeah. muscles in his very I mean, tiny speedos. Which we're also paying this guy for his muscles. We've got to show him now. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so Arnie arriving on the the beach. What I I genuinely love here is that the stopwatch had been set at the start of the film where he got to the plane. And we know that they've got 11 hours. Wait, does this even make sense? Isn't it 11 hours to get to Valverde? Yeah. 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 So how did it take 11 hours to get to this island? It's just uh, times. It's the it's timing is perfect, right? It's the same time as... Well, yeah. Yeah. He arrives at the island... Which is not Valverde. At the same time as the at plane. At the same time as the plane, yeah. And the plane was going to Valverde. Yep. <laughs> so it's not <laughs> this weird secret island from LA, right? It just must be Valverde. Uh, yeah. Is this, is Guys, this the point the as well? Is, going on? is this the point where we now <laughs> see the plane has landed in in Valverde and they're yeah, carrying the yeah. dude off the plane? In yeah. a stretcher, and no one is even like, "Oh, that guy's dead!" Like everyone else yeah, is just getting off the plane, laughing, "Ha, oh, like, hey, it's on holiday." <laughs> and the oh, he was with his missing. Yeah, and, and no one's like, <laughs> "Where's the dude that was sat next to this guy? Like, why is he now conspicuously gone, and this guy's dead?" Like, yeah. This, what, 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 yeah. This is also the moment where we have the other uh, best slash worst dressed goon of the movie, because <laughs> you know, th- so there's like two guys arriving to greet them at the airport. Presumably, one of them is sort of in this, you know, standard kind of, you know, flowery shirt and everything. That the other one is wearing this, you know, beige sand-colored trousers, a you know, sand-colored sort of what do you call them vest with, you know, a massive sweat stain sort of running down Soaked the back, and, and the guy's wearing flip 
flip-flops as well. It's like, yeah, you're a very imposing-looking, you know, henchman here. Uh, just, just worst outfit ever. Maybe he's just starting yeah. out in his henchman career. He's just lower level, you know. Yeah, exactly. Just dress beige. There's also this odd moment that um, I think when John arrives on the beach, he drags his boat up onto the beach, and he's, you know, he's fully equipped in his little speedos. And doesn't the camera pull back quite far, and you can see that there's sort of tourists or something up on the cliffs? Or yeah. I haven't no- noticed that. that. Yeah. Maybe not. Yeah. Oh, okay. But anyway, he, he pulls up on the beach, and um, we get the the kitting up montage. And I don't know about you guys, but I feel like I need this montage in my life daily. <laughs> oh yes. Yeah. It is an absolute. This is movie history. I don't think yeah. there's ever been a kidding up montage like this before. And you know, we're seeing the whole thing, like you know, putting on the vest and tying the shoes and putting all the guns yeah. like, in their holsters. More, more paint on the face. More paint yeah. on more paint on the face and around the arms. And then I don't know if you guys noticed, but then he's putting on his grenades, but he's tying them to his vest in the splint as well. You know, <laughs> the, you know, the, you know, the thing you're supposed to pull out when you arming the. You know, when you're arming the right, right. grenade? Yeah, yeah. As uh, it so he, also, he only has to pull it out from his belt to arm it, right? And then just start, yeah. yeah. yeah, duh, so, duh. yeah but so surely, like, what even the army's got some kind of health and safety regulation saying that you do not ever tie, <laughs> you know, a dangling yeah. grenade to the splint, you know, in case that it gets caught in something when you're trying to lift your massive gun or something. Especially yeah. when yeah. he's well, hiding in flowers and plants every five minutes in a minute and yeah. something's well, going to snag. <laughs> what's amazing as well is he's got them tied to his chest. And as we now know, they're tied by like the, the splint, the pin, whatever. You pin, yeah. But as he runs, these things are jiggling around, <laughs> like, like being thrown around like baubles. All it takes is one of those to just ping off. Exactly. <laughs> and then no more Matrix, or plenty of Matrix all over Valverde or wherever he is. I like the way you said they're, they're pinging around like baubles. I've so just got this vision of like an Arnold Schwarzenegger Christmas tree. This is what it would look like. <laughs> camo, yeah. Camo and grenades as baubles, yeah. Um, so Matrix is on the island, and this is where the militia base is. Now, I thought there was a really nice moment here that he's he's camoed himself up, and he's in commando mode, and he's in strategy mode. But the very fucking second he gets there, he is all out. Like, <laughs> shots going off and explosions and machine guns. He's stealth for about a kill, maybe two <laughs> kills max. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, you might as well not have bothered like, camoing up, mate. You, you might as well have just wrapped yourself in fucking tinfoil and flashing lights because like, this is yeah, you. He, he has that uh, portable ammo uh, you know, strap where he just holds with one hand and the, and, the, and the machine gun in the other hand and he's just like fucking, you know, uh, rapid fire <laughs> for like... But, I mean, good, how many people do we think yeah. are here? I'm sure I there's know, an I official mean, body count somewhere. Yeah, the, the official body is, count. Yeah. The official body count is 108. Yeah, where uh, 102 of those are uh, are Arnold. I counted wow. 70 by the end of my body count, but I know I'd missed so many. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this bit is amazing, right? This is this is what it's all about. Yeah, I feel like everything up until this point has been kind of cool. You know, cool scenes, some killing. This is this is a great film. And here it's like, okay. What? I didn't expect this. It was off the chain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's Even my wife was just still, she's still watching and she was just like, wow, like <laughs> this got gratuitous real quick. There are some scenes with uh, Orny's daughter, like, uh, you know, tr- uh, planning her escape. And, uh, and there's also some scenes with Bennett and, uh, mm. and the, uh, the general or the dictator uh, where Bennett basically says that, uh, you know, your your henchmen are, are like weak. You know, if if uh, 
if John was here, or like uh, me and John could kill everyone, uh, you know, like that. He says so. It's kind of like he he likes John, like he respects him. Yeah. But uh, and I think he also likes him in a in a sexual way. There's definitely uh, some man love going yeah. on there. I'm, I'm not sure. having it, man. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say this. No way. I think so. I mean. There are some, uh, some I think he just admires him. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, they've got a work history too, haven't they? You know, they know each other well, so. Yeah. He's a friend from work. <laughs> <laughs> it's just no, just no colleague of mine. <laughs> um, I, I, I do want to point out something because, uh, yes, Leon, uh, you mentioned that, uh, you know, I mean, he's trying to be stealthy and, you know, just, you know, forget about it but he is really trying to be stealthy but that's actually also makes it you know like doubly funny because you have this huge chunk of a man completely like kitted up and you know he's carrying this rocket launcher in one hand and god knows like what it else is and you know this guy completely like kitted out trying to sort of sneak around from behind you know, just ding, hiding ding, behind ding, a tree just do, 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 trying to be stealthy it's like, he's not very good stuff. at hiding yeah no he no, really we, we know from the mall scene you know and he probably still smells of swamp it's almost like you know when you when you play a video game and you get the stealth level and you 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 go in going I'm gonna you know get this perfect I'm gonna go through you know and just yeah, nail yeah, this and yeah, then you get yeah. and then caught by the second fucking AI person you yeah. see exactly. <laughs> yeah it is exactly, exactly that. It's like exactly the moment that. you sneak in the alarm goes yeah. off and it's like ah oh, fuck it <laughs> now I'll just get everyone <laughs> shoot exactly. myself through here <laughs> exactly and this is amazing because like you know he's a commando and he's been in jungles but like like pirate Dan mentioned a minute ago for some reason he keeps running through flower beds <laughs> and there's like petals flying everywhere as this guy's got this fucking exactly. machine gun tearing people down so uh, strange did, really you, uh, did you notice that all the soldiers that he fights on the island they have a very similar looking moustache and apparently <laughs> oh, really? it's fake moustaches yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I heard that for this scene they had something like 54 stuntmen yeah. yeah. It's, How cool is that? Nice. It's crazy the the kind of the list of stuntmen in the end credits, you know, just keeps on going and going and going. Yeah, th- this whole scene is like a killing list. There's another great moment where um he he I mean, I, I was gonna say he hides in a shed, but he doesn't really hide because they all know where he is yeah. immediately. Yeah. And he makes his way in this shed. And there's about fifteen dudes outside and they're machine gunning it and there's holes everywhere and like shells flying around. And then they go to open the door, and he's like, "I was in the ceiling, motherfuckers!" <laughs> Down comes, and he starts again. It's just like that the guy I with felt, a pitchfork. I felt like I was watching yeah, a George yeah. Romero film at that point. It right? felt like Dawn yeah. of the Dead or something. It just got very for that few seconds in that shed. It got extremely graphic. You know, people's really scalps are lopped off, mate. His arms chopped off. You know, and yeah. someone gets shot in the balls or gets something in the balls, and it's just yeah. Yeah. Two two daggers immediately. He kicks his way back out the door. One dagger in one guy, one dagger in another guy. Yeah, takes that dude's arm off. Yeah. He's just screaming on the floor with a stump. It's a bone yeah. cruncher of a scene. That whole thing is it's just amazing. like, oh, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that, the, the flower bed as well. They they shot that same, him running through the flower bed like three or four times. He runs through it one way and then he runs through it another <laughs> way. And then there's the moment. You know that bit? I'm sure we all love it. In Predator where um, dude's got the, the minigun and he, ah, he's shooting and there's like leaves going everywhere and tr- bits of tree falling down. This happens in Commando, but it's through the flowers and he's running down that path, <laughs> ah, shooting. And there's just petals being thrown <laughs> up. <laughs> all the ammunition. Just, I don't know. 
Like, it's yeah. going for something dramatic, but just seeing flowers flying around <laughs> isn't doing it. I wonder, much, yeah, I wonder if there was some intention of a juxtaposition or some sort of drama there. There was some sort of message, but it, it just doesn't work. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's just something about seeing him running with, with, with the grenades dangling from his vest, like carrying this huge rocket launcher in one hand and a gun in another hand. and. And then when he shoots, it's like he just stops and like fucking, you know, it's like, it's, so, yeah, it's just like, and it's, it's really action. Call of Duty as well. Like, mm, um, yeah. it's like waves of baddies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just every time the camera pans, there's just baddies coming out of like cracks and crevices and from behind things. And he's just mowing them down. <laughs> there's an, in, there's an interesting bit here as well, because he, he, he sort of gets through halfway through the killing. It then looks as if he gets shot or wounded, or it's probably just, probably just a flesh wound but he still needs to take the whole vest off and keep and you know do the rest of the fight you know in a bare torso still all oiled up and you know flexing muscles as he's holding these massive guns and everything like that so like yeah do you really need to remove the vest well according to the movie execs yes you did well that bit there as well i, I was watching that scene and i was like um how can i explain it we look back at cinema now you know we go watch all these films but you get this image of what an 80s action hero is. And that's the fucking moment, man. The dude's got his top off, muscles bulging in all directions, huge machine gun in one hand just firing around while shells hurtle out the other side. Like, ah! Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. And like, all, all these mercenaries are firing at him and no one's hitting yeah. him. There's just bullets twanging all around him and he's just picking people off. It's amazing. Throwing gr grenades and yeah, it's, uh, it, it's like a video game. Like, yeah, I and think, then all of a sudden, yeah. he's on the roof of the building. I don't even know how the fuck he got up there. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's gunning people down on the roof as well. And he's just stood up there shooting down at the yard. He, he dropped it's a amazing. hand grenade on the ground and like the explosion um. just carried him. <laughs> <laughs> like a frag jump. <laughs> exactly a frag jump. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised at, by, at this point. You know. uh. Um, <laughs> have we got anything more on that scene or we'll continue and we'll go inside? Uh, it was fucking awesome. Yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> it, it really is. The scene makes the movie, and like, yeah. it's just like the it's a climax of the movie, really. It's balls um, to the wall, man. It's yeah. <laughs> you know what? I I actually think up until this point, it was actually a really good and really fun film. Mm -hmm. I did really enjoy it, and then it got to this point, <laughs> yep. and it was like you know the amp that goes to eleven. Yeah, it was like yeah. that. It's yeah. like okay, this film couldn't have got any better. I feel like they ignored eleven. They just, just carried so on. Much better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, there's uh, just one thing before we move on. There's one thing that just occurred to me, like, you know, in the start of, you know, this whole fighting, you know, he's sort of uh, running around this military uh, base or the military part of the compound and he's setting up these, um, you know, um, was it Claymore mines Claymore. or something mm -hmm. to get the whole thing mm -hmm. to blow up. And then, yes, he blows them up. But then just occurred to me that, you know, this is, you know, this is actual, you know, they actually blew these sets up, you know, probably just on done with plywood, but they actually like blew them up. Like this is in the day where CG was, you know, reserved for just the absolute top productions. Right. And, <laughs> and even then, so this is all practical effects. And I think, um, uh, you mentioned it uh, when he's uh, on the plane. Again, this is stuntman, you know, hanging off a plane that's about to take off, everything like that. And I think, you know, we, you know, we easily forget just how practical and you know the effects were uh, uh, were back then. But I think it's quite impressive to to you know see this the see the scale of you know full on explosion uh, yeah. like that. You know, it's kind of yeah. makes you kind of stop for a bit and go, hmm, wow, well done actually. Yeah. Yeah, dude, that building goes off in flames. And there's a few stuntmen caught in the blast as well. They go hurtling through the sky. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. 
There's also a couple of mannequins standing outside that get a... I would certainly hope so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that mannequin that's in the doorway when it goes up, and it's just clearly a mannequin. Yeah. I saw that one. Mm. <laughs> um, okay, so we've, we've fought our way through the yard in possibly the most exciting scene um, of the whole film. And now John Matrix, actually, he doesn't go into the building. This is a great moment as well. For no reason at all, he decides to dive through the window, <laughs> not go through the door, not just, <laughs> just walk in. He just dives through the window. And the very second he smashed through the window, he's being shot at by the... Who did we say he uh, was? Like the, dictator the General... Uh, Arius. Arius, yeah. Arius, yes. right. right. Yeah. Yes. Remember um, the name. And then there's... The, so uh, John Matrix and Arius get get caught in this gunfight in a mansion that looks a little bit like um, Tony Montana's. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. a bit, uh, yeah, <laughs> Scarface, yeah. Yeah, but this gunfight is amazing. So uh, Arias is at the, the top of the staircase on the landing and John Matrix is at the bottom and each of them has a pillar and they're taking a few shots and hiding behind the pillar well, bullets hit the pillar and then they lean out and take a few shots and there's just this backward and forward exchange for a minute where <laughs> neither of them can hit each other. Destroying really um, expensive looking... Marble, uh, yeah. Yeah. Marbles, yeah. <laughs> Statues and stuff. <laughs> right. And uh, uh, eventually Matrix, he gets the shot and uh, Arias it's goes more. hurtling yeah. through the top window. He, he's, he's over. Game over. That's it. He's dead. So there's only one person left. Yeah, and this is Bennett. the crochet wearing, moustached, <laughs> no laces Bennett, who is downstairs in the basement, and Matrix only realizes he's there because he hears his daughter scream, "Daddy!" And this is it, the showdown. And what yeah. a showdown it is! What a showdown! Oh, yeah. yeah. So uh, basically, um, so so Bennett has has his daughter right, so he has the advantage. Uh, in this scene, and uh, you know, he shoots. They shoot at each other a bit, but then uh, Arnie is basically like, "Yeah, you know, let's let's not shoot. Let's make it a knife fight. Uh, come on, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Let's, yeah, let's be men about it." You know? I feel like this whole exchange really hammers home like how unhinged Bennett is Bennett as well. Is, Just yeah. his yeah. mannerisms in the whole thing. He's barely controlling himself, like, yeah. let alone the situation. It's. Yeah. So this is it's mano true, yeah. a mano. Yeah. yeah. Tops off, guns down. We're going to fight to the death. But I mean, also, you know, John Matrix is really teasing Bennett here. You know, it's all like, you know, you know, take your knife, stick it in me and look in yeah. my eyes and see what's going on as you turn it. Yeah. Don't deprive yourself <laughs> well, of some pleasure. And you can just see yeah. Bennett getting more and more excited. Excited. He's got a semi on at this point. <laughs> you have a massive heart on this. <laughs> Who needs a knife? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, was, I was a little bit knife, confused sure. by this scene as well. Because they're upstairs and they're in this like really nice mansion. And then they go down to the basement and it's like this industrial <laughs> furnace complex yeah. with like electrified gates and all sorts of shit. Down yeah, like, like steam wait, rising the from the ground. Well, Must be an impressive bath. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, apparently they had the end scene was actually supposed to have been sort of shot at sea, like, you know, Bennett, like taking off with Jenny in a motorboat and, you know, uh, John Matrix kind of chasing them. And they would be sort of jumping from boat to boat and, you know, uh, 
you know what would you know what would have happened there but then the studio would have said that you know we can't be out shooting at sea for days and days on end you know the movie's going to be too expensive so they said you know stay on the film lot because that's free we own that so we don't need to pay uh, money uh, for that so he just walked around for a day sort of up and down trunks you know so sort of desperately trying to find a place where this final showdown could happen and then he went down the basement of one of the studios and you know saw all this stuff and said oh this is great this is uh, this is where we're like this is where we're going to do it so it was basically a money-saving exercise yeah, yeah. Do, you, do you know why the money-saving apparently the the director i can't remember i think it was rambo had seen um first blood i think it was first blood and really really enjoyed the action scene in the woods so decided that he wanted to do better and the reason they wanted to save money on the end oh no the reason they had to save money on the end scene was because of that scene beforehand. They'd basically spent so much on explosions and killing and stuntmen <laughs> that they could not afford the final scene. <laughs> I think so the film was made at about nine million, and they probably spent like I don't know eight million, nine thousand, you know, ninety thousand or whatever. You know, they basically had five left for the budget. Like, oh, we <laughs> yeah. found this downstairs. Pirate Dan Maths. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maths is not my strong point. <laughs> sailing and plunging. But uh, you kind of, you know. It's almost like a staple of 80s action cinema, though, isn't it? You know, the, the, the setting where you've kind of all the pipes and the backlight and the steam mm. and stuff. You don't really get You're right. like yeah, that nowadays. You're right, yeah. yeah, there's just something very I oppressive about these steam mm. rooms, or not, not steam rooms, but basements and stuff like that. You know? Totally. Well, this is the problem. We don't know what it is, a steam room, a, a furnace. Uh, fuck knows what it is. <laughs> I felt sorry for Jenny here because... Um, she basically stands and watches this whole thing as her dad gets in a knife fight yeah. with a lunatic. Yeah. And um, Matrix takes a cut. He takes a stab to the side and she screams. But then he, he cuts um, Bennett's arm. So yep. she's okay, cheerleading. Woo. Um, yeah, it's just a lot for a, a young girl to have to go through. There'll be some trauma yeah. there for sure. Yeah, there will be yeah. some uh, some therapy needed. Yeah, and they're going all at it, like you know, they're throwing each other like into the wall and everything like that. And uh, yeah. there's this nice um, sort of little thing where is it Bennett pulls off their cover or the door of one of the furnaces and basically starts whacking John Matrix like over the over the head with it, and then throws it down and then gets a lead pipe and starts you know knocking the crap out of him. And um, yeah, it's like you know again. Bennett can match John Matrix like blow for blows, you know, just making, sort of really yeah. showing that the, th the, you know, the threat here is real. Yeah, but the size of them is just, <laughs> it's just totally outmatched by Arnold. Like, there's one scene when they press against each other on, like, they have this kind of 50 50 situation <laughs> yeah. where, you know, it's like, will the knife go into the, you know, eye? And you, you can see Arnold's like bulging muscles, and Bennett has like. <laughs> <laughs> looks a bit, uh, you know, yeah. it looks a bit limp in comparison. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure how tall like the Vernon Wells is, you know, in, in stature. You know, maybe if you see them in real life and they're you know, side by side, they they would both look that they could take each other on. But in in the film, like he looked considerably. I don't know. He had a dad Small. bod, yeah. like you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel yeah. like he was big, but even earlier but in the film, thing. he had like a vest on and his arms were tiny. Yeah, yeah. Like he yeah. wasn't yeah. a fighter. No. No. It's a little bit of a sunken chest there. Uh, it seems like what should have been up between his shoulders sort of like went down. You know, well, oh, to be fair to the guy, he didn't have that much time to prepare for. He didn't have that much yeah, time to fair enough, bulk up, as it were. You know. Bullshit, he used to be a commando with John. <laughs> yeah, again, his whole squad has let themselves go badly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's worth pointing out as well, not only did they get in a knife fight and he, there was like the iron bar and they almost lost the eye, 
Bennett also got electrocuted. Yes, he did. <laughs> yes. And he just comes back and he's stronger. It's, it's almost like he gets powered up by being electrocuted. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes in like, into like second phase, Bennett, and starts like punching Arnold in the back. And Arnold is just like taking it. And Bennett behind. is saying, I'm having a swell time or something like that. You know, and he's and Bennett is it. like playing out his fantasy, you know, <laughs> finally him and Arnold, you know. But then there's the, the killer move. Oh, yeah. Final blow. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. John Matrix has a large pipe and launches it like a javelin straight at Bennett and impales him to a boiler. Through the chest. Yeah. Probably should have worn something a bit better than a crochet vest. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> crochet vest, exactly. Um, Some body armor. Yeah. Bennett's yeah. pinned there, steam everywhere. Matrix turns to him and he says, let off some steam. <laughs> Let off some steam, Bennett. Is is that also our last <laughs> pun for the film? I'm sure it is. It's, uh, the, the oh, there's one more. Fun. There's one more, I is think. There? Um, yeah, there's one really? more. Um, Feel free to lead us there. Let's go. <laughs> so... Um, Bennett is impaled uh, to this boiler and, you know, steam is coming down behind him, but it's also coming up the pipe that's impaled him. And it's, you know, it's quite a grotesque looking scene. So then that's the last of the bad guys. Kill count reaches to, what did we say? 107. 109. And Jenny and John are reunited, uh, which is great. We come, we're back out on the island exterior uh, as well. We see the cavalry arrived in the form of three helicopters. helicopters. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then the, um, uh, Cindy in the plane, the, the water plane, whatever it is, uh, following up uh, behind. And then through all this devastation, we see John walking there with Jenny uh, on, uh, you know, Jenny like on his arm, as if he's just been to pick her up at school or daycare or something like that. <laughs> and then the cavalry is led by uh, John's commanding officer, General, no, Colonel, Kirby. General Franklin Kirby. Uh, who looks at him sort of with that sly kind of remark going, leave anything for us? And John Matrix just looks at him and says, just bodies. Um, oh. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, oh, yeah. yeah then I love that Matrix has walked through the, like <clears throat> carnage as well. All the, all the military are now on the beach and he walks out like covered in shit, no top on, sweating, daughter in his arm, fires and bodies <laughs> behind him. I, I don't know, yeah. yeah Again, such a wonderful like. Arnold moment uh, yeah. there. And yeah. uh, then we have that kind of, as I think you always need in movies like this, where an ex-soldier is being, you know, sort of approached by his old commanding uh, officer and, you know, for one last mission and uh, Arnold is, or John Matrix is saying, no, this was definitely the last. And the girls are like, are you sure? And again, until John's next, saying, the last. Until next time. Yeah. 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 Exactly. It's like, you're a exactly. hell of a guy, John. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I think they tried to set up for a sequel here. Like, it kind of feels like, you know. There were rumors of yeah. there being a sequel, but I think it's sort of got... A stuck in development hell, and who owned the license rights for it, and uh, you know stuff like that. Um, so but I don't think it actually ever happened. But when I searched for the film, uh, I watched it on Amazon Prime. When I searched for the film, uh, I found Commando, and then right next to it was Commando Two. Yeah, and I was confused because I thought, I'm sure there wasn't a sequel, but uh, it turns out that that was a, a Bollywood uh, version of the film, I believe. So. <laughs> and we're watching that in the next podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's the next one, yeah. Uh, something we didn't bother mentioning, but I thought was interesting at the end was that they'd kind of set Cindy up here. In one of the uh, car chases, um, Matrix explains to her that he's trying to find his daughter and that 
he's lost his wife. There is no wife now. Mm. And they kind of set up this scene like when they leave, um, yeah. Cindy gives his daughter a kiss. And it's like, wait, so Cindy's just now the wife by yeah. default? This yeah. Is it? I wonder if like that was too. maybe a leftover because the, obviously, as, as Bjorn mentioned earlier, there was this possibility of her becoming the, the love interest. But they must have, yeah. maybe, maybe the order of filming, they'd kind of scrap that at a later date after they've already shot that footage possibly. Yeah. Yeah, there's the scene when they are in the car, which I thought was funny. Uh, and they, they have the—he tells his backstory, right? And he tells like, "Yeah, uh, you know, where's the mother?" Cindy asks, where, "Who is the mother?" And he says, oh, "She died when she was born, right?" And mm-hmm. and then uh, he starts talking about, "Yeah, I mean, I can, I was in the army or something," as he says. And he says, um, "You know, I, I, when she was uh, three, I was in uh, Laos. When she was in grammar school, I was in what was it?" He said. Uh, Come on, have you remembered Angola, all these countries? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Angola, Angola, yeah. Angola, yeah. When she was three, grammar school, I was in Angola. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's so many good uh, quotes. Basically, he's movie. been an absent dad and he's desperately trying to make up for it. And step one is trying to save his daughter from these, uh, you know, uh, scary Freddie Mercury terrorists. Yes, exactly. He probably killed his wife and got away with it. <laughs> he kills everyone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And no one bats an eye. Yeah. No, nothing you can do about it. Yeah, okay, that so was that Commando. Was, yeah. That was Commando, it. Yeah. yeah. Um, my, my gut feeling before I ask everyone is that we all fucking loved it. Oh, yeah. But um, let, let's say an out of 10. If you had to give it an out of 10, Jesper? You have to give it like out of 10. I think just for what it is and sort of what it represents, I would probably give it, oh God. I would, I would give it a proper Arnold size yeah, nine, I think. <laughs> nice. Bjorn? Yeah. I mean, it's important to take it in the, into the context of what it is, uh, as Jesper said. Um, the plot is very thin, right? So that, that's fine. Uh, and there's some lull in the action as well. Like, uh, I think recent action movies like John Wick has, has shown that you don't necessarily need to have that. <laughs> but uh, for sure, for what it is for an 18, 80s action movie and how iconic it is, you know, it's a full flex uh, uh, on the scale here. So a, a 10 out of 10 for what it is. Oh, shit song, straight out, episode yeah. one, 10 out of 10. Yeah. It's gonna be the, it's the baseline, yeah. <laughs> Pirate Dan? Yeah, uh, as as I mentioned at the start of this this podcast, you know, I hadn't I hadn't seen the film uh, as as an adult at least, and I'd, I remember nothing of it, so I was basically watching this for the first time again, and and going in my quintessential '80s film, you know, the most quotable film to me has always felt like it would have been Predator, um, but after watching this, um, I think my opinions changed. Uh, this is a very quotable film. It's got an insane body count, and it's just so '80s. Um, but I also think, in some ways, it was it was also quite smart. Like, you know, the, the villains and, you know, the plot itself is maybe a little bit paper-thin, but, you know, as, as we mentioned earlier, you know, uh, the way the way the character of Cindy is treated, um, just in that respect, you know, I think that has to be given credit to. And I think, you know, the film was almost a bit ahead of its time in that sense. So mm. I think that was really cool. Um, and, yeah, man, the, the body count was <laughs> <It's> just <laughs> insane. I totally lost track uh, once we got to that island. Um... No, man, yeah, I, I'm going to have to say, I, th- I think I'd give it an eight for sure. It's, it's a s- strong number. Um, yeah. I thought you were going way higher than that. No, I just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's hard, it's hard to give a score. Right? It's hard. It's, it's, it's like, so hard to give a score, yeah. Depending on, on what you see it does. And, like, I, and as, yeah. as we mentioned previously, you know, the film does trip itself up with, you know, its geography and also the, some of the motivations timeline. and stuff sometimes, yeah, the timeline. Lines. Yeah. But at the end, the bombast overtakes all of that and it's just a good time. 
yeah, yeah. I think um, I, 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 I'd mirror a lot of what you said. I think in this genre of films, I'm, it, it falls over. And I, even now, even during this conversation, there are some things I can't answer. Why, why are they here? Why are they doing that? What's going on? But for pure balls to the wall action and killing fun, um, I'm gonna give it a nine because you know it's for me it's not a ten out of ten film, and I think if I gave it, yeah, it would have to be an eight or nine. You know, I don't know what else we're gonna see, but it, there are a few too many questions. But would I recommend it to people as an awesome action film? Without a doubt, like yeah, watch this fucking film. Absolutely. I think it's one one of the. Uh, first films that like action films that it's just like action as pure entertainment you know like that that I, that I can remember um yeah so that yeah, interesting th- angle yeah yeah i mean that that, that it is does the kind feel of like it's built around that like the, the film doesn't really make sense yeah i mean and I, sometimes it's as if it doesn't even try to explain it but exactly yeah if you just want to see cool shit happen mm. yeah. this is the place to be yeah so I mean, yeah, for me it's a ten because it's like the the quintessential like Arnold movie as an Arnold movie as an action movie. I I don't think I've seen any that's more balls balls to the walls, you know, pure action um, and quotable, uh, and uh, you know keeps the entertainment level quite high. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if we'll in this series if we find a movie that surpasses this that we like more Do than you know, this. I, yeah. I think if I had to pick a weakness with this, let, let's ignore the um the structure of the story and talk just about action films you know it's got amazing action i think actually a weakness would probably be the the villains mm-hmm. mm. i feel like they're just like yeah. uh, what's the word Odd. you know they they're just props mm. yeah they're literally there to be killed i feel like none of them really you know a, a, a good film you fucking despise the villain mm. or or you love the villain but I just didn't really care about any of the no. villains here. I feel like yeah. Bennett is the only one who's kind of, you're almost given some sort of motivation or even any some sort of exposition as to why you have to kind of, you know, dislike him. But even then, it's it's very thin and he doesn't yeah. Yeah. have an awful lot of screen time. I think almost yeah. the only Sully one... was the only one they put any time into, really. Mm-hmm. I think the only one where you're really sort of glad he gets thrown off a cliff is Sully because he's such an utter creep. Yeah. Uh, I think. <laughs> he is, um, yeah, he's. Um, so, and I guess that also kind of speaks a little bit to sort of how much that um, actor does with Sully in that very limited amount of screen time because, you know, he goes full on creep mode like straight away, uh, hmm. pretty much. Um, yeah. And again, that's also why I feel bad for, you know, uh, uh, Colonel Huckable, which I'm going to keep on calling him the Colonel uh, Huckable, the, uh, the evil, <laughs> the evil dictator. Um, because again, Harris. even yeah. when he gets, uh, you know, sort of uh, dispatched by Arnold, who basically, you know, shoots him with a shotgun and you know, sends him out through the window, uh, you don't even see him land the other side. You know, the, you know, it cuts just, you know, just before he's about to hit the ground and sort of yeah, like he doesn't, light, even, he doesn't even get a death scene. You know, yeah, he, yeah no, exactly, yeah. exactly. And uh, he doesn't I even just get like a closing to be a remark. Dictator, you know? Yeah, he doesn't even get like a closing <laughs> remark. He doesn't even say like anything throughout that whole sequence. He just kind of, you know, kind of keep on, you know, you know, clearly has a discomfort firing this gun because he keeps on like closing his eyes, like you can, <laughs> you know, like every time a shot's being fired. Um, yeah, but yeah, you're right. Sing. You know, uh, just yeah. Okay, Honourable mention, because uh, I know he's going to come up in a lot of other films that we, we may have uh, possibly forgotten. Did anyone spot the Bill Paxton cameo? 
Oh I shit! Was about yeah, totally. To say then. yes, <laughs> yeah, yes. Which sure. again, I only just discovered when I was watching it. Now uh, I completely blanked it. But yeah, that's Bill Paxton, which makes yeah. this what his third sort of collaboration with Arnold Schwarzenegger, more or less. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I would. Yeah. 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 So they didn't share a scene so in this one, so. Yeah, yeah. So what technically, it's not a collaboration. Well, but, uh, well they, they sort of did because they were, but they were just like speaking to each other. But uh, yeah. yeah, that was a uh, yeah, that was a big moment. That was um, cool. To see. What I loved about that scene was um, he, he, for people who haven't seen it, he was playing a sort of he was studying a radar. Mm. He was a naval officer watching the radar at the island for the planes coming in, and they spot Cindy and Matrix flying in. And uh, Matrix just suggests to Cindy, who's never really flown a plane before, to just go under the radar. And I love how simple it was to avoid the Navy on this island. <laughs> just this yeah. amateur pilot just went a little bit lower and they're like, yeah. oh, fuck, we lost him. And, they, they're gone. and they're looking like at the radar going, I lost him, sir. It's like they're completely perplexed that someone can actually drop off radar. And they, they look like they don't even know what, you know, what to make of it. I feel like there should be a short film that explores the aftermath of that with Bill Paxton getting fired. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then so as a used car dealer in True Lies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, let's wrap it up there. So that yep. was uh, Commando. Um, do we have any ideas what we might want to watch next? I know we've got a huge. Uh, while while we uh, think about that, uh, I just want to say that uh, to our listeners, um, we uh, we are now on Apple Podcast. Uh, so if uh, if you like this episode, please uh, please give us a rating. Um, and and if you feel like it, uh, maybe a review. We would uh, no, look, very I'm much appreciate saying it. bullshit on that. Not if you feel like it, and not if you yeah. want to. Get the yeah. fucking podcast, <laughs> review the podcast, yes. give it five stars on everything. Yes. Spotify, Apple, follow us on Twitter, TL underscore Action Heroes. Yes. We're on Instagram, Bjorn? Yes, we're on Instagram at uh, The Last Action Heroes Podcast. Um, so yeah, I was too polite. Just uh, give us a five-star rating, bitches. Yeah, no, no fucking around. Like, <laughs> we, need, we need help. Support us. Maybe we could yeah. tie our rating system to what film we do next. <laughs> no, but I well, think, like I think if you uh, give us ratings, we will keep watching films. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the more ratings you give us, the more movies we will, the more the, movies the, we will be watching. Yeah, if you give us a five star, we'll do a really great movie. If you give us a you know low star, then we'll get, do just a really crap one. No, but I think the rating system should be Commando. So for now, it's Commando. If a film surpasses this, that will be the the new the new. For bar. sure, Commando for sure. is the bar. Yes. Commando is the bar. Yeah. And it's also the, yeah. why we made this one for the first one. We had to set that bar. So, yeah, exactly. Well, we did a Twitter poll, and uh, the the winner there was uh, Predator as the, uh, the. So, if you want to do another uh, Arnold movie, uh, Predator, um, I haven't seen Predator. <gasps> Fuck oh, off! No. <laughs> I might have seen what it. What uh, the as hell a kid, are you like, doing yeah. on this podcast? <laughs> I, I, I mentioned earlier how I thought Predator might be the ultimate eighties sort of essential movie, and you know, Commando yeah. has kind of shaken that foundation. But I still will go to bat and say Predator yeah. is the most quotable action okay. film. Yeah, but I, I, I probably have seen it. I just forgot about it. But uh, I think that's a cool thing about doing this podcast. Is like. We have such different, like, some movies we all have seen and some movies mm -hmm. we, we haven't. you say you've uh, not seen The Running Man as well? I haven't seen The Running Man, yeah. And that one I haven't seen, for sure. But you won't so. be on the next podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, this you know, like you, all, you, all, you always need an outsider <laughs> perspective. You can't have, like, just a fan, no. fanboy, uh, you know. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is true. 
I think um, next podcast, let's not watch an Arnie film. Mm-hmm. Let's pick something different. Yeah, let's think about it. Um, okay. But yeah. to our maybe, listeners, maybe we'll we will be doing we'll a... put it on Twitter. And that one guy who bothers engaging can have a vote. <laughs> <laughs> but Amy. I think it is safe to say we will be doing a Predator at some point because it is also a very iconic movie from from the eighties um, that you know has to be mentioned in a podcast such as this. Yeah, for sure. Die but Hard. Will it be better than Commando? Die Hard, maybe that's the next one. Oh, let's put it out there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's so keep it a surprise. Around.